The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Good to have you in on this Monday evening, fresh off a draft weekend. It's in the books. It came and it went, and it was an exciting weekend indeed. If you joined us at any point over the weekend, we appreciate you tuning in. We had an incredible response. So many of you guys spent draft weekend with me, Rico, Rev, Pierre, Kevin, Don, it was awesome. I mean, what an incredible weekend it was. It's fun, obviously, of course, having the draft. Um, but to be able to share it with all of you guys makes it twice as fun. Uh, and if you tuned in at any point, you know, it was just, it was hilarious. You get all of us guys in a room together for that long, is something funny is bound to happen. And it was, uh, it was a ride for sure. Uh, let's address some comments coming in right now. But how was Arby's? I told you. If you tuned in at all during uh, during draft weekend, you know one of my biggest gripes of the weekend was the fact that almost every other commercial, uh, almost every other commercial during the draft was for Arby's boneless wings. I I told you during the sh- during the shows. I, I don't quite understand where Arby's gets their their marketing budget from. I I haven't seen a human being inside of an Arby's. Uh, maybe ever. Um, there was one in my hometown a few years ago. I never saw a single car in it ever. Um, and it was open for what felt like decades without any other, without any soul walking in there. So I just didn't understand it. Mix that with the fact that they're getting into the boneless wing game. As we know, boneless wings are fraudulent. It's the most fraudulent food in the culinary sphere. Now, have you been, Keeping up with me on Twitter, you know, I've been dabbling into the wing game, though. It might not be with Arby's, but it's it's the wing game. I went ahead and braved the Doritos Flaming Hot Wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. If you haven't checked out my video on those, at ZachB22 on Twitter, go check it out. That was an experience 
to say the least. It didn't stop there, though. Today, I was scrolling Twitter, and uh, they know me well. That algorithm is not messing around. They had popped up an ad for me for Cheetos chicken wings from this new virtual restaurant called Cosmic Wings. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Mr. Beast Burger, but that was like the, the the first virtual restaurant. You're probably thinking, what in the hell is a freaking virtual restaurant? I, I personally don't know. Apparently, it's these restaurants that don't exist physically. They work out of the back of a random kitchen and they sell food on like DoorDash and Grubhub and stuff. This wing joint is one of those. And uh, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Dorito covered chicken wings. Boom. This place has Cheetos covered chicken wings. You know damn well I ordered them. Within the hour of me seeing that on Twitter, they were at my door. Chowed those down earlier, as you could expect. They were unbelievable. And, of course, as you can expect, video on those coming soon. Um, actually, I was working on it before the show started here, and I, I was starting to feel the, re- the repercussions of my actions. You can't eat Flaming Hot Doritos chicken wings and then Cheetos chicken wings and expect to feel 100%. I actually wound up falling asleep on the floor. Um, I have a pile, ironically enough, I have a pile of Bills jerseys on the floor. I've been going through my old Bills jerseys. And I fell asleep on top of those. I literally woke up 20 minutes ago, and it was one of those naps where you fall asleep on the floor and you wake up and you literally wonder, where in the hell am I? So that's what I'm coming in uh, with tonight. Um, But, of course, I'm ready to rock, as I always am. And how could you not be after a full weekend of draft uh, excitement. The weekend was great. Lots of storylines to dive into. And of course we will start with our Buffalo bills, but before we do a couple of little things to touch on one shocking news coming out today in the NFL, Deandre Hopkins suspended six games for the use of PEDs, you know, PEDs, uh, the only person coming to the top of my head that I can remember in the NFL recently that had a problem with him nonstop was Julian Edelman. It just feels like in the NFL, it's not as big of a problem as it's been in other sports, particularly in baseball. That was a shock. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the biggest names in the sport. Uh, You think Arizona could be primed to have a terrific season this year after acquiring uh, A.J. Brown. Uh, Not A.J. Brown, excuse me, uh, Marquise Brown. Hollywood Brown from the Ravens Um, and, you know, pairing him with DeAndre Hopkins. What could that offense potentially look like? Things changed dramatically today. DeAndre Hopkins, six game suspension for the use of PEDs. Uh, On top of that, we have a new Jersey number change in Buffalo. Isaiah McKenzie, no longer number 19. He's going to be number six which is interesting. That's cool. Maybe we get a new uh, Isaiah McKenzie, already one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy on the team. You got to think he'll look faster in a single digit number than he would the double digit. Um, So that is another bit of news coming out of Buffalo today. There's also, uh, if you go over to the bills, Twitter, they announced who all of the, uh, or all the new draft picks, what numbers they'll be wearing. I'll touch on that right now. Uh, so as I said, Isaiah McKenzie switching to six and who's taking over number 19. You ask, Oh, oh, oh. it's our new favorite Buffalo bill. Ladies and gentlemen, the punt God, uh, punt God, baby. He is a Buffalo mother effing bill. We talked it into existence. The punt God, we didn't have to do it in the first round. Like I thought we might have to thought we were going to have to pull some strings. Thought Brandon Bean was going to have to 
maybe mortgage the future of this franchise for the next decade in order to get a generation punter like punt God. But as we know, Brandon Bean, he's a, he's a, he's a savant. He's a genius. He knows how to get things done without selling the farm. And that's exactly what Brandon Bean did. He gets the punt God in the sixth round, obviously a top 10 talent. God knows how punt God fell that far, but he fell in the Buffalo Bills lap, and he is our punt god now, baby. And he's rocking number 19, formerly rocked by Lil Dirty Isaiah McKenzie, who I said is now going to be wearing number six. Elam going to be wearing 24, James Cook 28, Bernard 43, Shakir number 10. So those are your new numbers for your new Buffalo Bills. And speaking of new Buffalo Bills, Let's get into who the hell the Bills drafted over the weekend. It was an exciting weekend. A lot of areas addressed that needed to be addressed. I am excited about what the Buffalo Bills did over the weekend in the draft. Now, I understand, right? You go into this draft, you're picking in the mid to, you're you're picking in the late 20s. Um, The Bills are currently at a point in their, uh, in their process, right? Heading towards the Super Bowl where the draft isn't as exciting as it would be if you were, higher up and that's what you want you don't want the draft to be exciting because if the draft is exciting if the build-up to the draft is as exciting as the season is for your team guess what your team ain't that good you know who's looking forward to the draft all year the new jersey jets fans those people are looking forward to the draft bills fans yeah the draft's great it's fun it's awesome i i, I love it it's great we had a great time over the weekend it's, it's not priority number one for the Buffalo Bills and our fans. No, that's, that's getting a ring. So I understand it wasn't uh, over the moon exciting going into the weekend, but it was a good weekend nonetheless. Speaking of those New Jersey Jets, I'll touch on them uh, in a little bit. I got my winners and losers from the draft that I'll be sharing with you, and I think you know right where those Jets wound up. Uh, what a draft for the New York Jets. I can't even begin to argue that they they didn't have the best draft of the weekend. Uh, just what they were able to pull off, incredible. Could be a organizational change completely in New York for those Jets based on this draft class. They did a hell of a job. Going back into the comments here, appreciate all you guys joining in tonight. We got over 100 in here right now. Smash that like button if you wouldn't mind. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh Namdi coming in saying Z-Bot side stories are legendary. I, I, I aim to please Namdi. I appreciate you. It's not my fault that I'm easily distracted. When I see the Arby's commercial, I got to say something. The one, I don't know if you guys caught this while I was, uh, while we were picking James Cook, but another thing that completely had me sidetracked during the draft that I just couldn't get over. And I'll post this video of my reaction to this on Twitter after the show here, I'm working on it currently. Um, there, there was a moment during James Cook's selection where the, the, I think I had ESPN two on, I don't remember what exactly the, the stream was, but they decided, Hey, you know what? The bills are drafting um, round two. Screw them. Let's interview a professional dancer while the bills are taking James Cook. I couldn't believe it. They were interviewing a professional dancer. Please let me know what in the hell that has to do with anything. I've been waiting all damn day to get to the Bills pick day two. I'm watching this pro dancer get interviewed. Please let me know. Bills Mafia wants to, uh, Bills Mafia FUQS wants to know if my bunghole felt okay the next day. Listen, I don't want to get too vivid here, but the answer is a resounding no. The, the answer is a resounding no. 
Scott Blakely saying, man, Smoke, you were heated on that running back going to the Jets. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that real quick before I get into the Bills draft class here. Um, I don't want to – Rico put out the clip. Everybody's loving it. Oh, the Buffalo boys. I, I saw, by the way, saw a lot of Jets fans salivating over us being so upset that the Jets got Brees Hall. Actually, I saw one Jets fan comment. He said, oh, so nice to watch – other AFC East fans upset with their team's picks while the Jets are getting the guys that they want. I just thought to myself, oh, my God. Back to my original point. That's the Super Bowl for Jets fans, right? Yes, you had a terrific draft class. I'm not going to take that away from you, but that's the peak of your season right there, okay? The reason I was upset about the Brees Hall situation was not because the Bills necessarily didn't get him. I was pretty certain the Bills were not going to be able to get Brees Hall, on day two, as far back as they were picking. There were two reasons I was pissed. One, he went really early day two. And, you know, day two, it's a bit slower, obviously, than day one. And I really wanted something to look forward to. I wanted to see, man, is there a possibility that Brees Hall could fall that far? Because that would be exciting, right? Something to root for. Two, the other reason I was upset, he went to the goddamn Jets. That's why I'm upset. You know, we Rico and Rev did a hell of a job of convincing me that, that Brees Hall was going to be the future for the Bills. And Rev really d- dove deep into it. Rev has done a terrific job doing his work on our, our draft coverage this year. And then, of course, Rico had an absolute love affair for Brees Hall. And, you know, you go on shows with Rico and Rev two, three times a week for a couple of weeks. Next thing you know, you got a love affair for the kid, too, and you don't even know why. And, you know, I blink, and all of a sudden I'm rooting for Brees Hall as hard as anybody, and I don't even know why the hell I'm doing it. I just got excited about it. Um, and it was just, it, it was disheartening to see him go to the Jets because one, didn't see that coming. I just did not see the Jets going running back, especially in round two, trading up to do it. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, so it kind of just sucked the, the fun out of day two for me early on. That's why I was pissed. I wasn't really pissed that the Bills didn't get him. I had accepted that. Uh, it was just a matter of him going to the Jets and him going that early. That kind of pissed me off. But hey, you can't win them all. You know what I mean? You really can't. So what we did in round two, I'm very excited about. Don't let that be mistaken. And we're going to get into that later on here in the show. Uh, Jason N coming in saying, was watching Matariza's videos until now. Z-Bot Matariza is new number 19. Yes, he is. I don't know what happened there. I'm not sure why Isaiah McKenzie wanted to switch up his number, but He's number six, and the punt god is 19. I was really hoping for a different number for punt god. I was hoping number one, potentially, for punt god. I thought that was really fitting, seeing that he's clearly the best player on the team now. I figured, well, number one would be a perfect fit, but he went 19. That's fine. I accept that. Um, it wouldn't have mattered what number he got. I'm buying the, the punt god jersey. Although I'm going to have to – well, one, they're probably not going to list the jersey on the site. Because, I, I don't know, apparently NFL shop hates money. Uh, but I'll get a custom jersey, number 19, punt got on the back. That is a guaranteed order for your boy bot. That is a guaranteed order. But enough about punt got right now. Plenty of time to get in him later in the show. Let's start where the Bills started. In round one of the 2022 NFL draft, the draft was wild. And I, I had a feeling it would be, and that was why I was excited about it. Typically, we get excited because of the big names and the, you know, the overwhelming quarterback talent typically that can come in and change organizations. You can see how the future of the NFL can start molding. Look no further than when the Bills took Josh Allen in 2018. We'll look back years from now and we'll truly realize how 
how crazy of a class the 2018 draft class was and how it really shaped the future of the NFL. That wasn't really the case this past draft, right? But what we did see in this last draft was a lot of uncertainty, and that is what made it exciting. There was the most trades in the first round we've ever seen in the history of the NFL draft. It was a wild weekend. Even Mel Kuyper had said himself, you know, he'd been covering this since he was in diapers. He can't remember a time when it was ever this hectic. And if you notice during the stream, during the broadcast, the boys couldn't keep up. I had the I had the ESPN broadcast on. They couldn't keep their notes together because things were switching so rapidly. By the time they got to the previous pick, somebody had traded. They moved up and they were making a move and they couldn't keep up. It was a wild weekend. Six wide receivers. In the first round of the draft, tied for the most ever. That was no surprise. We are seeing now, and this will continue, the wide receiver draft classes that are coming out of college are getting better and better to the point where they come in, start day one, and are immediately some of the best wide receivers in the league. We've seen this happen the last couple of seasons. I don't expect that to pause anytime soon. The beauty of that is in the first round, you're really going to get a franchise differentiator. Um, at the wide receiver position, no question about it, right? But the great thing about the the amount of wide receivers that there are is that as these rounds go on, teams like that, you know, teams that are in the Bills situation, Chiefs situation, Packers situation, you can get wide receivers later on in the draft that can still be a major player on your offense. Do I need to bring up Gabe Davis in the fourth round? Obviously, Stephon Diggs is a fifth rounder. There are gems to be found later on in the draft at that position in particular. But what you're seeing, of course, is where the NFL is heading, and that is you need at least one world beater at wide receiver if you want to be competitive. Of course, you have to have the quarterback situation figured out in order for that guy to be successful. But if you're if you have your guy or you think you have your guy, the next step is, of course, to get him the solidified wide receiver one. We saw six teams go ahead and do that on day one of the draft. One of the bigger surprises in that department was the New Orleans Saints. I don't think you guys realize, I, don't, I didn't even realize until today, how much the Saints gave up to draft Chris Olave. They gave up like five picks. It was nuts, but that is what organizations are doing now in order to get a guy that they think is a game changer at the wide receiver position. So that that position group in particular really seemed to dominate the first round for me. Um, but overall, first round in general, crazy, crazy action, tons of trades uh, and tons of uncertainty, which made it a lot of fun for the Bills. The big question, I think, going in, there was, there was a variety of questions going into the draft, of course, right? Obviously. Uh, the main question, I think, was what position group are the Bills going to go with? That was the main question. And I think as we got closer to the weekend, we had narrowed it down. So I, I would say confidently two position groups. We had narrowed it down to running back and cornerback. Now, if you've, been, if you've been keeping up with me and my thoughts on the situation, I was a firm believer that cornerback was the play. If you look at this roster, the only noticeable hole for the Buffalo Bills was cornerback two. And that's it. I mean, we're talking about one of the most, if not the most complete roster in the NFL. The only situation that had not been addressed in the offseason was cornerback. And I knew right then and there that that meant Bean had a plan for the first round in order to take care of it. Sure enough, 
that was exactly that. The other question I think we all had was, is Bean going to trade up? I personally thought he wasn't. I thought that there was enough cornerbacks in this draft. The depth was big enough to where the Bills could wait till 25 and still have an elite corner fall to them. Now, that was looking like it was going to be the case, right? The Bills pick was nearing closer and closer. Booth was still there. Elam was still there. And it just felt like the Bills would be able to stay at 25 and still get a top-tier corner. But the Bills didn't sit on their hands. They trade up. They jumped the Cowboys. They trade their fourth-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens, and they take Kair Elam out of Florida. I want to start there with the pick. I think a lot of people are excited about this pick. A lot of people are happy. They're satisfied. They're looking forward to seeing what this defense could potentially be with another stud corner mirroring Trey White. I know I am. I'm pumped to see how this all winds up playing out, of course. But I noticed the biggest complaint after the draft pick was, why did we trade a fourth-round pick? It didn't seem necessary. Listen, I'm no stranger to it. We all are victims of this from time to time. We love to be the armchair GM. I try my best not to be because I know damn well that I don't know a damn thing compared to the guys being paid to do it. Bean has forgotten more about how to run a football team than I'll ever know about it in my entire life. I understood the questioning, though. It did seem like Elam, or at the very least Booth, which we know Booth slid pretty heavily into the second round. We were, you know, aware the Bills could potentially move up, but it just seemed like they weren't going to. And I myself was a bit shocked. It didn't seem like they needed to, but they did. Now, this told me two things. And this is the reason why I think we should all be okay with the fact that Brandon Bean traded up. And I want to start, I want to start by getting this out of the way first. I understand that fourth round picks aren't throwaway picks. That was a lot of people's argument. Gabe Davis, perfect example. Gabe Davis, if he has another year that even resembles what it was last year, that's a solidified wide receiver one in this league. No question about it. We luck the hell out with Gabriel Davis. We're talking about numbers in the playoffs last season that have never been seen. Gabriel Davis, a solidified wide receiver two on this team coming up this year, is primed to be one of the best young receivers in this league. That's a fourth-round pick. Right there, I don't even need another example. The fourth round is crucial. You can find gems in the fourth round and a lot of people were saying just that you know why would we get rid of the fourth and I agree a fourth is not a throwaway pick you don't think Brandon Bean knows that though you don't think Brandon Bean's well aware the potential that the fourth round or any round for that matter can bring to a team that right there should show you how much moving up meant to the front office when the decision was made Brandon Bean didn't trade up for his health he didn't trade up because he was bored. He traded up because that room at the time felt as though there was a need to do it in order to get their guy. I had said leading up to the draft, the only way I see the Bills trading up is if they have a guy and a guy in particular that they want to make 100% sure they get no question about it. If there was even a inkling of a worry that the guy they wanted wasn't going to fall to them Bean was going to make a move and that's why I'm okay with it they wanted Elam Elam was their guy it wasn't the front office wasn't sitting back saying okay maybe Elam or maybe Booth whoever falls to us no it was Elam and Elam all day and that's why you should be happy that the, that the Bills traded up you don't have to be happy they gave up a fourth it's not you know 
It's not great. It's not ideal. But you should be happy because what does that tell you? The Bills had so much faith in Kyir Elam that they had to make 100% sure he was going to be the guy. They had to make 100% sure that nothing was going to be able to come in the way of them getting him. So they trade up two spots to get it done. And I think after we saw the Bills embedded footage from Kyir Elam visiting with Bean and McDermott, you know exactly why they made that move. They had fell in love with that kid the second he stepped on to the uh, property of one Bills drive. It was inevitable. For God's sake, the guy pulled out a he pulled out a, a, a damn book like this filled to the brim with notes as to how he can get better notes as to what he can improve on people that, that he needs to, to beat whatever the hell else. I mean, that's like, that's gold. If you're sitting there as a coach and a GM, that's exactly what you want to see. It felt like in that moment, watching that video, you could see Bean and McDermott falling in love with this kid. So, yes, you get rid of the fourth round. It sucks. Could you have gotten the next Gabriel Davis there? Of course you could have. But that just goes to show you how much Elam meant to this organization. That just goes to show you that he is the guy. It should give you twice as much confidence in the pick. Frankly, I I would be less confident over the pick if the Bills did just sit back at 25. Them trading up tells me, tells us fans, guys, This is the kid. We're not going to take any chances here. I don't care that Dallas didn't need a corner. There was potential there still, right? And I don't know what it was. And I was confused about this, by the way. They they panned to the war room in Dallas. Jerry Jones and company, they panned to the war room after the Bills had traded up. And and, and I, the, the Cowboys don't need a corner. They don't need a corner. That was not even on their top five needs for this draft. Something about the energy in that room, though, when they panned to the war room in Dallas, I don't know what it was, man, but it looked like somebody died in there. I mean, it looked like it it just was depressing. I don't know what to take from that, but I'll tell you, it made me think twice about the reasoning as to why the Bills moved up. Um, We'll never know the real reason. We'll never know the exact reason why the Bills traded up to get Elam. We'll, we'll never know for sure. But I'll be the one to sit here with you right now and say it doesn't matter what the exact reason was because the only reason that matters is they wanted that guy. They needed to have Elam. He was the guy top of the board. And they did what it took. They did what they had to do. And it's not like they had to do, it's not like they had to do what the Saints did to get a guy like Olave and trade like seven picks. They, they traded one fourth rounder, and I'm not diminishing the fourth round pick at all, but they did what they had to do in an economically sound way. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And guess what? If Elam winds up being half of what Tredavious White was or is, you're not going to give two and a half craps about that fourth round pick. You're just not. And neither am I, and nobody is, right? So I wanted to get that off off the table there because, you know, that seemed to be the biggest gripe after the pick. And you know what? That that's I'm cool with that. If the biggest problem from the fan base is, well, I like the pick, but why did we trade up? That goes to show you. We all know that 
our fan base. We, we were passionate enough to let people know what the deal is if we're not feeling it. I didn't get that vibe at all. I didn't get that vibe one bit. It seemed like collectively Bill's Mafia was more than satisfied with taking Kyrie Elam in the first round. My man, Silas Whittle, coming in with the Super Jet. He's saying Bean did what he said he was going to do at the end of last year. He added speed on defense and on offense, plus he got guys who will get yards after the catch. Exactly right. I don't think anybody put it better than Mel Kuyper when it comes to defining what the Bills did in this most recent draft. I was reading the ESPN Plus article where he had gone through and ranked uh, or gave a grade, a letter grade, to every single team and their draft selections. Here's what Mel Kuyper had to say about the Bills' overall draft. He said, quote, all in all, the Bills filled their biggest needs with their top two picks. And if Shakir and Benford break out, this class could be one of the best when we regrade it in five years. I'll repeat that last statement. This class could be one of the best when we regrade it in five years. Strong, strong word choices from Mel Kuyper. And it kind of ties back to what Silas is saying here. Every need the Bills needed to address was taken care of in this draft. Bean is laying a foundation right now. He's like, he's like Bob the Builder. Bean the Builder, baby. I mean, this is incredible, masterful work that we are seeing from Brandon Bean. All offseason, what did he do? Fill every single hole that needed to be addressed. Some that maybe didn't even need to be addressed got better. Brandon Bean took care of that in the offseason. We went into the draft. We knew what had to be taken care of, running back, cornerback, uh, potentially the linebacker position. We needed a new punter for sure. All of these things check, checked off the box. Checked off the box. Brandon Bean, and, and, and you know, like, you know, as a fan, somebody like me who's not in deep on the draft, and I've, I've, been, I've been transparent with that about, with you guys from the beginning. But, you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to realize what the Bills need to get over the hump. You, you, you watch the game in vivid detail every damn week. You don't take your eyes off the screen. It doesn't take long to figure out, okay, you know what? This area needs to be addressed for sure if we want to get better. Brandon Bean, he knows that, but to the 10th degree. And I, just, I think it's satisfying as a fan when you realize the areas that need to be improved. And so does the GM. You're, you're, you're in unison. And all of those moves were made. I mean, there, there, there are situations where you know that that you know that areas need to be improved, and they just don't get improved. Prime example: the New England Patriots. I'm sorry, I'm triple and quadruple down on it. I mean, at this point, I don't need, I don't even care saying it. I have no remorse saying this. I've said it a million times. They're not making the playoffs this year. Sorry, sorry. What do you want me to say? Give me a good argument as to how the New England Patriots are making the playoffs this year. Not only did they sit on their hands and do nothing during the offseason, but they go ahead and take a fourth-round grade lineman in the first round. You think Patriots fans are sitting around like we are right now, satisfied that all the holes that needed to be filled are covered up? New England fans aren't feeling that right now. And I'm getting a lot, I'm, I'm getting a lot of New England fans. I posted uh, my, my, draft, my draft reactions on TikTok. As you know, I'm a big TikToker now. And uh, I posted my reactions to, the, to my winners and losers on TikTok. I said, listen, biggest loser of this draft, it's New England. And I'm, not, I'm no genius here. Go look at everybody else's grades. New England, go look at it right now. I don't care who you look up. I don't care if you're looking up Tony's, Tony, your next door neighbor's draft grades or 
the guys at ESPN, NFL Network, et cetera, are getting paid to make them. Every single one of them has the New England Patriots at the bottom of the list. Why? It was a shit draft, period. Combine that with a dog shit offseason, that's what it was. They're not feeling good today. The Bills are feeling good today. Patriots had plenty of needs. They didn't get filled. And you don't just have to be a great team in order to have small amounts of holes and fill them. The Jets are not good. Far from it. They filled a variety of holes on their team this past weekend. They crushed it. For a team that is their entire organization's a hole, they did a great job of filling up a good amount of it. You don't have to be the Bills and be in their position in order to have a satisfactory draft or make it easier on yourself at least. Patriots right now are in a more similar position to the Jets than they are the Bills. Let that sink in. All right, let's get into it. Kyrie Elam, your newest Buffalo Bill, the first round draft pick that, like we had just talked about, Brandon Bean traded up to make sure that he got. And as I said earlier, his new number. Oh, did I forget it already? Of course I did because my, my memory is absolutely shot. Um, probably those Doritos ring, wings creeping up uh, back up on me. Yes, number 24 is Kyir Elam. And uh, exciting, exciting stuff, I think, Bill's mouth for us. The possibilities here are what gets me excited. That's what gets everybody excited, I think, the draft, right? And I think uh, that's why a lot of people wanted to go running back because it was the exciting pick, perhaps wide receiver. That, that That's exciting, too. This is an exciting pick, and don't fool yourself otherwise. Don't allow yourself to think otherwise. This is an exciting pick. I want you to understand and conceptualize what this Bills defense could be if Kair Elam is as good as advertised. I, let me know a better backfield in the league than a first-round cornerback in Kair Elam and this, mind you, this is if he winds up being the guy they drafted him to be, okay? We all know how things can go, right? I, I get it. Play along with me. The hypothetical here. If Kyrie Elam winds up being who the Bills drafted him to be, mirroring Tredavious White with Poyer and Hyde in the backfield, please present to me a, a backfield in the league that's better. Good luck. Possibilities here are tremendous. That's what's got me excited. So... As I said, the Bills' biggest need heading into this draft, by far, cornerback position, boom, done. Off the table, round one, trade up, make sure they got it done, boom, it's over. Kair Elam, a Buffalo Bill, that hole is signed. And like I said, when you looked at this roster in totality, that was the glaring hole. That was the glaring need by far. I think it would have been a bit irresponsible to have not addressed it in the first round, personally. Yes, there was a variety of players that you could have gone with and made an argument for, including Brees Hall, and I know condolences to, to Rico still and everybody who really wanted him in the first round. But I think we need to be satisfied with this pick. The running back in the first round really would have been a luxury pick. And as I'll get into in the second round, we still wound up with a running back that can really make some noise in this league without it costing us filling the biggest need on this team. You could have waited till round two to get the corner, but that, that to me is another reason why I'm stoked about this pick. They didn't do that, and that's telling me, why didn't we do that? Because this is the guy, Bills Mafia. This is the guy. Case closed. Not only did we get him in the first round, we traded up a couple spots just to make 100% sure he is our guy, and that's what they did. Um, that, to me, is the biggest takeaway here. The urgency in that trade-up has got me 
twice as stoked about the pick. Just the fact that that, that, that I, 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 maybe I'm putting too much value on it, but this is just how I, I perceive it. You go ahead and make that move, and that just, that just shows me it's a double down on the value that they have put on Kair Elam. And I absolutely love that a guy at, the, at a position that was that needed made such an impression on this team that even though they probably could have waited till 25, they just wanted to make sure that it was taken care of and they could hit the pillow at night knowing they didn't allow themselves to lose him over just a couple of picks. So uh, I love that. Let's talk about the first impressions. Really, the first impressions have been through the moon, right? Uh, we've all seen the footage by now, I'm sure, of Kyir Elam meeting with Bean and McDermott, like I had mentioned. There, that, that, that means a lot. That means a lot. And I can understand you, you watch that clip and you're like, okay, well, that, that could be anybody, right? That could be any prospect. That could be any player. One of the biggest fallacies of the NFL and the, in the kind of the blindness, the blinder we put up as fans, not every one of these players is as bought into the game as you think they are. They might put on a good face. Uh, you know, they, they really might, they might show you that they're all bought in. But we've learned by now a lot of the guys, and this is fine. Listen, this is their career. I'm not dogging it one way or the other. People have their priorities. A lot of these guys are in it for the money. Some of these guys are in it for the championships. Some of these guys are in it for the personal accolades. There's a variety of different things that motivate these players. What I took from that Bills embedded footage of Kyir Elam meeting with McDermott and Bean, this guy is all bought in. This guy is here to win. He's here to be a Bill and make the team better. That's what that little clip shows you. You're not going to get that from everybody. Flat out. You're just not. I know it's a common misconception as fans that all of these guys are like Kyir Elam, who's got a playbook in his backpack everywhere he goes. No, it's just not the case. It's not true. Not only that, yeah, he's got the boys putting a, a playbook on the plane for him on the way back so that he can get ready. Some people might write that off as cheesy, corny, whatever. Go ahead, not me. That's not an everyday trait. And what I took away from that, right, the Bills at this point, of the, of the process, right? Le the legitimate process. The Bills at this point, under Bean and McDermott, you know, their, their culture has become identifiable. And you look around the league, that's a rare trait. Cultures are, you've heard me harp on this time and time again. Cultures are a major driving force behind the success of a franchise. Why do you think... The Washington Commanders have struggled for years upon years upon years. Their culture is horrendous. The culture in both New Jersey teams has been terrible. They've consequently been the two most losing teams in the league the last handful of seasons. Culture means everything. The Bills culture was terrible for decades. And Bean and McDermott come in and switch the gear. And now the Bills, from what we were used to, go from a bottom tier culture to one of the best, if not the best in the league. And we've seen that attract free agents. We've seen that attract players uh, in general. And right here is a perfect example, the Kyrie Elam pick. The Bills culture has become so identifiable that you can tell when a player is a good fit immediately. And that is why I put 
value into that footage we saw of Kair Elam sitting down with McDermott and Bean. That clip right there, what did it show you right off the bat? Culture guy. Process guy. There's no debating it. You can't fake that. And even if you could fake it, I, w- I would think that by now being as good as he is at his job, you could read through a guy. E- Elam didn't sell him a bill of goods. That was, that was who Elam is. And who he is, is a process guy, a culture guy. Ergo, a perfect fit for the Buffalo Bills. You can tell immediately what works and what won't. Josh Allen, another great example. Baker Mayfield would not have worked in Buffalo. Granted, he probably wouldn't have worked anywhere. But that right there is a perfect example of a culture fit where, you know, you got a puzzle working and you got the piece that you think's the missing piece and you just, for the love of God, cannot fit it into the puzzle. Josh Allen, he's the most perfectly fit, snug little pieces of puzzle you've ever seen in your life. And even before Josh Allen became Josh Allen, he was a culture guy right off the bat. Think about the way Josh Allen came up. Farm boy. Underrated. Nobody gave him a chance. Had to email a thousand different colleges just to get a sniff at a starting posi- at a starting gig at the at the at the quarterback position. Right? That's who Josh Allen is. And all of that, you know, all of those lessons throughout his life, all the hardships, all the hard work he had to put in to get there, it allowed him to form into the Josh Allen. We know the Josh Allen we drafted, and that is exactly what fits in Buffalo, right? You, would, you, you, you wouldn't have seen that with Baker Mayfield. You wouldn't have seen that with Josh Rosen. Obviously, the Bills could have made a gigantic error there, right? I personally think outside of the incredible ceiling that Josh Allen posed coming into the league, I think the real driving force behind why the Bills drafted him is because he was a perfect fit. When you think Buffalo, you think Josh Allen, and that's not just because of the play on the field. Josh Allen is Buffalo. Josh Allen embodies and resembles Buffalo. Hard work, humble, positive, fill in the blank. That's Josh Allen. What I'm getting at here is the culture is so identifiable in Buffalo that you can tell if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. Kyrie Elam's going to work. Maybe not right away. Maybe not on day one. It's going to work. And if it doesn't, I'd be absolutely stunned. There's a lot of value in culture. There's a lot of value in character. You don't always see, you don't always see it on the field. You don't see it in the stat sheet, but where you do see it is through the success of the franchise. Kyrie Elam, a perfect fit. And I think that that, that clip in particular just gave you a little glimpse of what we can, what we can expect from Kyrie Elam. And that's got me super excited. The other reason I'm super excited about Kyrie Elam is the fact that the kid is 20 years old. 20 years old is Kyrie Elam. You know, I'm getting to that point in my life where, you know, you know how you, you kind of transition between being a, you know, a kid and you're a teenager and then an adult. Like, but you never really feel the transition. You're just like kind of blank and you're like, oh shit, I'm, oh God, I'm 25 and have adult responsibilities and real, real world problems. What the hell happened, right? And that's where I'm kind of at right now. I'm 25. And I think about it, and I'm like, oh my God, this kid's five years younger than me. And he, and, he, and he just gets drafted, and he's very well going to be the day one starter at cornerback, too. So 
That is another reason to be super stoked here. We, we could potentially have years and years and years of success from Kyir Elam. Hell, he's going to be, by the time he gets to his, to his first contract negotiation, he's, he's barely going to be the age of most guys uh, coming out of college. That, to me, is, is an underrated quality here, the, the age. I love that. Speed, definitely a factor with Kyir Elam. He's got incredible speed, incredible ability to cover in the uh, with press coverage, very detail oriented. As we saw from the example I was just touching on, the guy had a notebook filled to the brim with all the little things that he could work on. The other thing that I love about Elam that I had heard this was from Bill's Wire as I was reading up on you know the different little tidbits around the pick. Uh, so when Bean and McDermott met with Elam. Bean had asked Kyrie if there was anything that he wanted to ask them about playing in the NFL. And he could have asked anything. I mean, think about it. You're off to the NFL. You don't know what to expect. Your world's about to change within an instant. You could ask a million different questions, right? Kyrie Elam asked Bean, what do you think I need to get better at? <laughs> I mean, right there. I'll look at it from my perspective. That'd be like, you know, if, I, if I'm sitting down with, uh, I don't know, that the head of ESPN or Fox Sports or somebody like that, and there, there'd be a million questions I'd have about breaking into that industry at that level, right? A million. And I, I don't know if the first question off the top of my head would be, what can I be, get better at? That's, that's another reason right there, culture fit. That was the first thought that came to mind for Kyrie Elam. What can I get better at? And then it was clear and evident that he had – and uh, just a, a real respect for Tredavious White. And he had asked, he had asked Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, quote, what does Trey White do? What has he done to be so good? So right off the bat, we're seeing Kyir Elam already, uh, you know, put guys like Tredavious White at Buffalo Bill on a pedestal. It's somebody that he, uh, it's almost like a role model of sorts for Kyir Elam. The cool thing about this visit is Kyir Elam got to visit and meet with Tredavious White during his trip to One Bills Drive. Got to meet with Tredavious White. And uh, according to Kyir Elam, he said, quote, that uh, Tredavious White said, honestly, he just told me how much he watched my game and how he the way I played. And then Kyir Elam would go on to say that he looks forward to just picking his brain as much as he can. And he looks at Tredavious White as a guy that he could just go and try to learn from. So the guy really just seems like he wants to succeed. That's all he wants. And he wants to do so in Buffalo. He wants to be the best version of himself he can be in Buffalo. And while he's here, he wants to make sure that he is a major factor in the Bills' upcoming pursuit to take that next step getting toward the championship so many different things about this pick that i love um right here though all those examples are my favorite just the fact that he really does seem like he is a perfect fit for this this franchise this culture and uh i'd have to say from that respect from that regard i i have to think brandon bean is a terrific judgment of, of character uh clearly and we've seen who he's brought in they've all been just for for you know I mean, more or less, just perfect, really, when it comes to that. I've talked about this a million times. The Bills just don't have any problems, off-the-field problems, distractions. It just doesn't happen. And if it does, it's very minute or, or rare, you know? 
There are really good judges of character out in Buffalo. And right here is a perfect example. So that's Kyir Elam, your first round draft pick for the Buffalo Bills in 2022. And I would venture to say that he will be an immediate starter for the Bills come day one of the NFL season. And speaking of which, we're 10 days away from today from the schedule release. An underrated day of the year. That's one of my favorites. Because, well, now it is at least because now it's big for the Bills, right? Because you know it's inevitable you're going to get a handful of primetime games. Just a matter of against who and what night and where. That's what I love about it. Excuse me. And the Bills' schedule this year is a, is a wild one. Some crazy games on the docket this year. So 10 days from tonight, we will find out where those games will be played, uh, what night, what time, primetime, et cetera. So that's super exciting. Let's go back into the comments here, catch up with you guys, see what you all are saying. Give me your thoughts in the comments as we continue to go on. What was your thought on the draft overall, the first-round pick, the, uh, the the decision to go with James Cook in the second round that I'll talk about here in a second? Who did you think won the draft? Who did you think lost the draft? Just give me your thoughts. would love to hear from you and get, uh, get a chance to see what you guys thought overall from the weekend. Uh, Michael Lanzone coming in here and as, asking an uh, interesting question. He's asking Zbot was Elam the missing piece to a Super Bowl run? That that's that's a loaded question, right? Obviously, how much stake can you put in a guy that hasn't played uh, played an NFL stab? And and that goes for all these guys, right? You know, I I don't care if you're the number one pick or Mister Irrelevant. It's you haven't proved a damn thing until you get out in that field, and that goes for every single one of these guys. But the answer to that question would have to, I'd have to lean more towards a yes, just because the missing piece for this team in general was a cornerback, and that missing piece is no longer missing. So Elam, by default, because that's who the, the Bills chose to go with at the spot, then you know what? The more you think about it, uh, if you want to get black and white with it, yeah, the answer would probably be yes. The Bills needed a cornerback that is worthy of being a day one starter right away. They feel like that's Elam. So at face value, as of right now, the missing piece was cornerback. It's no longer missing. Put two and two together. Yeah, very well could be the missing piece that could wind up leading to the bills getting to the Super Bowl. hundred percent. Jason N saying the uh, Z-Bot. We also got two linebackers for death. We sure did. Linebacker was a big area of addressment. Over the past weekend, uh, I guess a lot of people were shocked about the third round pick, which I'll get into, obviously, in a little bit here. Um, we knew linebacker was a possibility. I didn't think the Bills would double dip on it, but clearly we're seeing that that is a point of emphasis for the Bills and Brandon Bean, and uh, I understand it. The way that the linebacker situation is being shaped out right now in Buffalo, it does make sense that the Bills and Brandon Bean decided to go uh, linebacker not only in the third round, but they double-dipped uh, on it as well. Ned coming in here talking to me and saying, to your earlier point, Zbot, giving up their fourth to pick Elam is no small thing. The front office was sold. Bingo, Ned. Right right there is it, – it's signed, sealed, delivered, case closed to me when it comes to talking about getting rid of that fourth rounder. Yes, it is no small thing. Yes, I understand some people are upset about it because, like you said, it is no small thing. A fourth rounder could wind up being a franchise changer. But like you just said, like I was talking about earlier, the front office was sold. That's got me sold. If the guy that you want, you know, if you want him that bad to where you're willing to give up that fourth rounder just to move up a couple spots to make sure of it, I'm cool with that. Because at this point, I have so much trust in this front office. 
If that's the, the direction they want to go, if that's the way they felt they needed to get it done, fine by me. Sign me up. What else we got going on in here? Let me know your thoughts. Like I said, fill these comments, uh, fill up the section up and uh, keep letting me know what you guys felt, not only about the Bills, but in general from the past weekend. Khalil Shakir, such a steal. Yeah, that seems to be one of the bigger steals of the draft just based on you know the general consensus. We'll touch on him in a second here. Um, that was an area that I felt the Bills were definitely going to attack in the uh, draft here, wide receiver position. Some felt that it could happen in uh, the first round. I know I mentioned earlier that six wide receivers did go in the first round. They all went, uh, they went early. I mean, they were gone. I had dogged on the Green Bay Packers. I had felt that they took a big L in the, in the first round of the draft just because they had two picks and they didn't wind up with a wide receiver. Now, granted, they wound up with a, a top-tier one in the second round early on, but you know, for the Green Bay Packers, a team that I felt desperately needed a wide receiver, especially after losing Devontae Adams, and you couple that with the fact that Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers' relationship is quickly coming to its end, it was shocking that they didn't pair those two picks together to get up and get one. But you know, a guy like Jahan Dotson went in the mid-teens. I, it, it was projected that he'd fall to the 20s. All of those top guys were gone. Drake London, I don't think anybody had him being the first wide receiver off the board. There he goes. Wide receivers was the major point of emphasis in the first round. But like I said earlier, yes, the top guys, of course, are going to go in the first round. But there's so many great wide receivers coming out of college now. For the Bills, you know, a perfect example right there. You wait. You know it's not your biggest need, so you don't attack it in the first or the second. And uh, with their fourth-round pick, they get Khalil Shakir, who a lot of people seem to be high on. So um, I'm looking forward to see what he brings to the table. A Mountain West guy just like our boy Josh Allen out of Boise State. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun to see what he brings to the wide receiver room. Let's get into round two. James Cook. And once again, let me just address this again because I saw some more people in the comments talking about this. I'm not upset with the James Cook pick. I'm stoked about it. And more, the more time goes on here, the more stoked I get about it. Everybody thought that I was all in on Brees Hall as much as, you know, Rico. Rico was the guy on Brees Hall, right? When you thought, when you thought Brees Hall, you thought Rico, right? And I, I had started to feel that way because I definitely wanted a running back. The reason I was so pissed about him going in the second round is because he went to the Jets because all we did all offseason, or not all offseason, but you know, as the draft came closer, all we did for the most part was talk about Kai, uh, Brees Hall. That was like the biggest talking point for the last two weeks. So it just really pissed me off. And one, not only did he go so early in the second round, but he went to the mother effing Jets. And we're going to have to face him twice a year. I'm not worried about facing him, by the way. Oh, a lot of Jets fans are like, oh, not only did you want him or didn't get him, but he's going to dominate you. Okay. Yeah, I've been hearing that about, you know, Sam Darnold and whoever the hell else. God, you know, I, I, could you even name like five players in the Jets? Honestly. I mean, now you could after this, after this draft, but beforehand, I mean, good God. So take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah. No, John coming in here. Yeah, Rico was totally upset because he really, really wanted Brees Hall. Rico really wanted Brees Hall. And, 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 his, and his reasons were 100% valid, 100%. And I had, I had shared a lot of that sentiment because I told you guys, this team, this offense, I just want to know what it looks like 
with an elite running back. We don't even know what that looks like. Not even close. Yes, Devin Singletary. He's been more than serviceable. I like Devin Singletary a hell of a lot, but he's not, you know, he's not a top five, 10 back in this league. Everybody knows that. And so we don't know what this Bills offense is with an elite running back. And that is why we wanted the Bills to potentially attack that area in the draft here. And Rico personally had felt that Brees Hall was the guy and not only him, but everybody else did too. He, hell, he was the first running back off the board. So I understand why there's Bills fans, including Rico, who are upset. You know, I wasn't in the same camp as Rico, though. Rico was all in. I mean, he, I mean, he loved, he loved Hall, and he was not even close to the only one. There were so many guys. For me, I I had really loved the idea of getting Hall, and I really loved the idea of him potentially falling in the second round and us getting him. That really got me excited. When the Jets took him, you know, that was kind of a kick to the balls just because it was the Jets. But I promise Rico will get over it. And when James Cook winds up, you know, putting up Hall of Fame numbers on the ground, Rico's going to be fine. All of the boys of Buffalo Fanatics are going to be fine. We're going to be we're going to be more than good. I promise. Also, you know, best of luck to Brees Hall. Best of luck. But he's he's a Jet. So we'll we'll pause on that. Johnny Blaze coming in here saying, how is Hall an elite running back? He's not. He's not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, the Bills haven't gone out and gotten what they perceive to be an elite running back. The Jets drafted Brees Hall because they believe he can be an elite running back. You're not trading up in the earliest of the second round to get a running back if you think he's just going to be average. You're not, you're not, that's not, you're not doing that. Hell, the Bills didn't get James Cook to be average. Yeah, I know it was later on in the second round. You don't draft anybody in the second round to be average. You don't draft anybody in the seventh round to be average. I'm not saying that Brees Hall is elite. I'm saying the Bills have never had an elite running back. They have not had a guy who they perceive to be elite or they drafted to be elite. This could potentially be it for the Bills and James Cook. So let's get into James Cook, by the way. Speaking of which... James Cook, your new running back at one Bills drive, and he will be paired up with Devin Singletary, certainly, and you can expect them to split the majority of the snaps this coming season. The running back out of Georgia and the brother of Dalvin Cook, and I'll tell you this right now, Bills Mafia, if he winds up being a fraction of what his brother was, I might have to make room for a couple trophies in that case, not just one, but I digress. So, you know, many Bills fans, including myself, Rico, a lot of the Fanatics boys, a lot of guys in general, you know, we thought there was potential for running back in round one. We truly did. And it made a lot of sense. But I think when all the chips fell that, you know, the cornerback was the logical choice. It was the right choice. And for that reason, I am over the moon satisfied with a pick for Kyir Elam in the first round. Don't get it twisted. I love that pick. Truth be told, man, I love this draft for the Bills. I love this draft. The third round was a bit, you know, questionable, and I understand that, and I kind of feel that same way too. But the first two rounds, hell, man, if you told me the Bills were going to walk out of the first two rounds with a starting corner and a rotational to potential starting running back, who's not signing up for that? Who isn't signing up for that? Every damn fan, besides my boy Jeff King, we know how we know how he felt about we know how Jeff King felt about the the first round pick. If you tune into the uh, to the stream over the weekend, man, Jeff Jeff King, my man, put on a freaking show. That was awesome, huh? Um, but listen, I think if you if you surveyed all of Bills Mafia and said, hey, listen, by the end of day two, the Bills are going to have a starting running back and a starting corner. 
I'm signing up for it, and I'd venture to believe 99.9% of you guys are signing up for it too. Um, so obviously they go corner instead of running back in round one. Like I mentioned, the Jets viewed Brees Hall as somebody that they felt could be a major piece on offense, so they trade up into the early second round to get Brees Hall, and with him off the board, I think a lot of us were thinking, okay, well, Ken Walker's next out of Michigan State. They're running back out of Michigan State. I know all of us on the live stream were, uh, were thinking, okay, Brees Hall, he's gone. we got to get over it. Um, obviously, from the video clip you saw, it, it, we, 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 uh, it took, took a minute to get over it. I felt so bad for Rico. He, I, he, it, it, it hit Rico hard. I really think – I think Rico was so – I think Rico had become so used to the to the thought that he had created of Brees Hall and Buffalo that that's what got him so upset, right? I felt bad legitimately. You could just tell, like, his his demeanor kind of changed when Brees Hall was gone. And then I think once we came to the realization that he was gone, we had started talking about, okay, he's obviously not an option anymore. How about Ken Walker out of Michigan State? And – uh well, that got thrown off the window too because he wound up going to the Seattle Seahawks at pick number forty-one. So early on in the second round, you know, we weren't we weren't particularly certain as to where these running backs were going to fall in this draft. There was potential to go late round one, obviously, to the Bills. There was potential to have the early second round be filled with running backs, but there was also potential for these guys to slide and slide and slide. No one really knew where they'd wind up going. And by the time the day uh, on Saturday kicked off, or Friday night, rather, the running backs were a major point of emphasis in the second round, and the top two guys on the board were gone. So the Bills didn't let that deter them, and I love that. The Bills took the third running back off the board, and that was James Cook. If you could point to one area on the Bills offense that needed improvement, if you looked at the Bills offense and said to yourself, what's the one area on this elite top-tier offense that could use an upgrade? Everybody and their mother would have said running back. It was a no-brainer. Everybody knew it. And we were really hoping that at some point, first round, second round, whatever, that Bean and the boys would take a roll of the dice on a guy that they felt could be a game changer in that position. That is exactly what they did in the second round, getting James Cook. Silas back in here with another super chat. He's saying Rico looked like his soul was crushed over Brees. It was. You know how it goes, man. You get so in, in, attached with somebody or something, an idea. I, I think the, the other problem, too, for Rico and other guys who were really you know drawn to the idea of Brees Hall was because as the draft came closer and closer, it had become more of a realistic possibility. You had real big names in the NFL industry coming out and saying, yeah, this, this is a very likely scenario. So I think that just that fueled the idealization of, you know, that pick happening in round one. I, I think it became real, right? Even for me, as much as I thought even a month ago that there was no way the Bills would go running back in round one, I think a lot of people felt that. The days went on, the draft got closer and running back in round one was becoming increasingly realistic. I think that's why a lot of people like Rico were so upset over it, and understandably so, you know, you, you really, you, you really get hell bent on a guy. You fall in love with a guy and then you're being told that it's going to happen and then it doesn't. Yeah, that's definitely a gut, a, a gut punch. You pair that 
with the fact that he goes to the Jets in division and you got to play him twice a year and you think about the potential for him to be good and how much you wanted him and now he's on your rival. Like, yeah, there's a variety of situations there that, that are annoying and suck. But it is what it is. Silas saying, I told Rico he didn't listen. Motor is running back one. We'll see. That's another interesting element about this draft pick because I would I would tend to agree with you, Silas. I would. Um, at the very least, we know that he's going to be rotating with James Cook. That's going to be a heavy rotation between those two. Who starts, though, will be a big question. I think James Cook has great potential to be the starter. We'll see what he shows in camp when we get to that get to that time. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if at some point in the season, I'm not saying necessarily week one, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if at some point in the year, James Cook starting. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be a shock at all. So like I was saying earlier though, you know, we have been wondering what this offense could look like with a running back upgrade. And I'm not saying, and I know I keep saying elite. I'm not even saying elite when it comes to this particular situation. The bills don't need an elite run game. They don't, you know, the, the Titans have an elite run game. They're not an elite team. You know what I'm saying? The Colts have an elite run game. Are they an elite team? I don't think so. The bills don't need an elite run game. They have an elite quarterback. They have an elite wide receivers. They have elite wide receivers. They have elite coaching. They have elite front front office. They have elite defensive uh, players, a variety of them. Y- you can't be elite everywhere. You can't be elite everywhere. Michelle's saying, I'm in the shower listening to you as you speak. Uh, shampoo, condition, and lather, Michelle. Thanks for thanks for queuing me up in the shower. Um, you don't, you, you, not, not only do you not need to be elite in every position, you can't be elite in every position. You can't do it. You can't. This isn't the MLB. There's a cap, there's a salary cap. And there's 11 positions you have to fill. You can't be elite at every single one of them. You just can't. I'm not asking for James Cook to be elite. Would I love it? You're goddamn right. Yeah, of course I love it. Who the hell wouldn't? All I'm asking for here is can the position be upgraded? If we even see a marginal increase in the run game, I'm telling you, it will do a world of good for this offense. One of the reasons why we should be really excited about James Cook is his ability to dominate in the pass game. We know that this was a major need for Brandon Bean and the Bills, or at least that they felt it was, because the Bills had McKissick, a good receiving running back, on the roster for like 15 minutes, if you, if you remember that. Right? I mean, McKissick was a <laughs> McKissick, similar to Antonio Brown a couple of years ago. McKissick was a bill for like 15, 20 minutes. And the reason they got McKissick is because they wanted not only an upgrade in the run game itself, but they wanted a guy that they felt could be more of a player in the pass game. When you're looking at, you know, the descriptions on James Cook, one of the biggest things that pops off the screen every time you look into it is that James Cook is a hell of a receiving running back. That right there, boom. If that winds up being the case, automatically an upgrade. We were talking over the weekend about how the Bills really don't run screens at all. They don't They don't incorporate the running back into the pass game as much or nearly as much as other teams do. If James Cook brings that to the table, like hypothetically here, if James Cook comes in 
And he puts up similar, dead-on similar numbers to what Devin Singletary put up in the run game. And mind you, mind you, there's no reason to dog on Singletary. And I never do. I like Devin Singletary. I think he's a very serviceable back. And his numbers last year, they weren't bad. I think, you know, the, the funny thing about the run game and, and Singletary from an outside perspective, you would think Devin Singletary was the worst running back in the league the way some people talk about him. That's not true. That is not true. Devin Singletary is a starting running back in this league, for sure. Or at least a rotational running back. For sure. You saw how he came out at the end of the year. We've seen glimpses of what Singletary can do. Singletary has been a very solid piece for us. It's just, it's it's not, it's not as, it's not as serviceable. It's not as dominant whatever word you want to put in there as we wish it would be. Obviously that's why the bills were looking to go running back in the draft. Singletary has been, he's been a good piece for us. It just hasn't been the piece at the position to potentially take the bills over the top on offense, because I think everybody realizes if the bills can go to the next level at that position, who's stopping this team. If the Bills can take the running back to the next level, who is stopping this offense? And not only that, but you pair that with the reasoning as to why I'm excited about Kyra Lamb. Because if you pair that offense with a, with an upgraded with an upgraded running game, with the defense that this that this unit could potentially be. I mean, let's not forget this was the number one defense in the league last year, and I know. I know it was on paper, and we all know it wasn't the best defense when it comes down to brass tacks. We know this, right? But look at the damn defense coming into this year. I mean, guys, that defense, this defense, who I get it, it wasn't, in my opinion, the best defense in the league, but on paper and statistically, it was. This defense got a hell of a lot better in the offseason, a hell of a lot better. So you pair that. With the offense and the Bills, who potentially could be the best in the league. And if you were able to upgrade that running game, I want you to ask yourself, who is beating this team? Let me know. And that's what the goal is here. James Cook does not need to be elite for this run game to be better. He doesn't. He does not. He needs to come in and add an element to this team that it doesn't have. And if that's the if that is an increase in the in the passing department, so be it. Obviously you're looking for an upgrade in all areas of the position and that is definitely on the table. 100%. This guy was no joke in Georgia. No joke. A hell of a player. And personally, I didn't know, you know, as much about him as I wish I did going into it. But the more I'm looking into it afterwards, the more I'm reading up on what people are saying about the pick, a lot of people are thinking, you know, uh, there's a lot of, you know, people I saw after the the pick who were saying, man, the, the, the bills are going to be unstoppable this year. I mean, that was, a, that was what a lot of people were coming out and saying after this pick, because if James Cook just winds up bringing the bills run game up that much more, what does that lead to? The sky's the limit. The possibilities are endless. So 
Quick rundown on the stats and kind of what he brought to the table in Georgia just a year ago. 728 yards on the ground might not seem world-beating, but it, that, that, that was just based on the attempts he had, 6.4 yards a carry. You will sign up for that every day and twice on Sunday. Seven touchdowns on the ground, and then he had 27 receptions for four touchdowns through the air. He ran a 4.440. He's coming in, you know, similar size, I would say, to Devin Singletary, 5'11", 199 pounds. I'm really looking forward to what this tandem could wind up being. I think this could wind up making Devin Singletary's game better because I think the Bills really had to rely heavily on Singletary. And I don't necessarily think that he is your bell cow, that Devin Singletary isn't a bell cow. When you look around this league, there's very few bell cow running backs to begin with. There might be five or six, right? Almost three quarters of the league doesn't have one. And I'm not saying that James Cook will be either. The Bills don't need a bell cow back. And actually, one of the points I've seen made about the Brees Hall situation, which which should make people feel better about it if you were kind of like some of the folks at Fanatics and other Bills Mafia members who are really in on Brees Hall, he's considered to be more your bell cow back, your every down back who's going to be, you know, really your workhorse when it comes to, um, you know, your playbook and your, your run game. The Bills don't need that. I'll tell you who the bell cow of this entire team is. It's Josh Allen. Case closed. You don't need a bell cow at running back. You got the biggest bell cow in town at the quarterback position. You just need a guy to take a little bit of the load off of Josh Allen. You don't need Josh Allen running for 100 yards every game. You don't need Josh Allen with 12 attempts every game. You don't need him to be your leading rusher 9-10 of the 17 games. You don't need that. If you pair two running backs who aren't bell cows but are, you know, good good running backs nonetheless, that's what gets me excited about this because you got a good rotation here. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary isn't a great rotation. But Devin Singletary with James Cook, that could be a good rotation. If James Cook winds up being what the Bills drafted him to be, if Devin Singletary can bring to the team next year what he brought towards the end of the year last year, that's a hell of a rotation right there. And if you can upgrade what you're getting out of of the run game in the passing department – uh, not only with play action, which I think would, that, of course, will dramatically help if, if that winds up being true, but also in the screen game like I was just touching on. Sky's the limit. I'm really excited about this pick, everybody. I really, really am. Um, I can't emphasize that enough because I feel like I've been labeled because of that video that I was not excited about Cook. Like I, 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 That's why I'm like tripling down on this. I want to make it known. I didn't even know James Cook was a possibility when that happened. I was just more pissed that the freaking Jets got Brees Hall because at that point I had made the, I had, you know, come to the realization, man, the Jets were crushing this draft. The Jets absolutely murdered this draft. And when they got Brees Hall, I'm like, no way, man. Cause they wound up getting four first round graded guys in the first 35 picks and 36 picks, whatever the hell it was. That's what pissed me off. I'm just happy that the Bills had done the, enough due diligence in the running in the running back uh, position in this draft to make sure that no matter who went off the board, they had a guy that they liked, had circled, and were, and were willing to take a risk on in, in round two. The other question I asked myself, by the way, is you know if, if, if say Brees Hall, you know say Brees Hall fell, and I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten him. I think if Brees Hall fell, they they would have got him. But who's to say that if Ken Walker was available? and Cook was available. You know, who's to say if uh, who's to say if, if, if Cook wasn't the Bills guy? 
We don't know that. We don't know what was going on in the front office. Cook could have been the guy. Now, I think any team with a running back need would have went Brees Hall. Everybody had him ranked as the best running back. I'd, I'd have to imagine the Bills would have went that direction, but we'll never know. For all we know, James Cook could have been the guy for being in the front office the whole time. And I think I've made it pretty clear at this point that I have delegated my trust to being in the front office when it comes to these draft picks. And I have, and there's no reason not to, there really isn't at all. Um, so look, I understand there's people who are disappointed about the Brees Hall situation, whatever. I get it. I get it. But I, I, I think, you know, put your emotions to the side and realize we really could have made a splash here. There is some serious potential in, in what the bills just did in the second round here. Serious potential. We've taken risks in the later rounds at running back. It hasn't necessarily been what we would hope it would be. The Bills decided we're going we're gonna to spend a higher draft pick than we have under the Bean McDermott regime at that position and see what winds up happening. And that's where we're left off right now. We will see what winds up happening. Back to your comment section I go. Let's see what the dealio is with you guys. J-Dub coming in saying Cook is 100%. The closest running back in the draft to McKissick. See, I think the McKissick situation here is lost on a lot of people because I think I've, most people forgot about it. That is a great point. They wanted McKissick because of the qualities he brought to the table. And a lot of people had made the correlation here that, you know, James Cook has a similar play style to McKissick. And that goes back to the point I just made. Could that potentially tell you that he was the guy? There, that, that's a realistic possibility. It really is. Now, I'm not saying if Brees Hall would have fallen, it wouldn't have been the pick. I think that, it, of course, it would have been. He was the clear-cut best running back in this draft, but that does not take away from the fact that I think the Bills going into this draft were high on James Cook, 100%. I don't imagine Bean would go – I don't imagine Bean would take anybody in the second round he wasn't high on. And we know this to be true because Bean will trade down, obviously. We saw it happen. Non-stop, it felt like. Trade down, trade down. I'm like, oh, is the, are the Bills ever going to pick? You know? We've seen, just this weekend, like Bean will not settle if he feel, feels like there's not a guy of value at the spot that they have. So, there you go. Perfect example. Scrolling through here, what else do we got? Johnny boy coming in saying what we want is for Josh Allen to be running less. Yeah, you're damn right. That's why I keep saying this running game doesn't need to be elite. Half the battle here when it comes to this running game is just making sure that Josh Allen doesn't get hurt. Seriously, an improvement in this run game would be, would be make it serviceable enough to where Josh Allen is not your bell cow running back. Make it serviceable enough to where Josh Allen is not running open field sweeps, seven, eight plays a game. Because we've talked about this a million times. It's only so sustainable. Cam Newton was considered to be a freak, freak athlete during his time. He won an MVP, for Christ's sake. It, it, he, he, he wound up, you know, feeling the repercussions of the way he played. The goal of this front office, I'm sure, is for the Bills. I mean, I don't even need to say it. The goal is to keep Josh Allen healthy until he's old and gray and can play until the wheels fall off. A big part of that is going to be increasing the run game, taking the ball out of Josh Allen hands. Um, not when it comes to fourth and one, third and one, by the way. That's still Josh Allen's bread and butter. We definitely want to see a decrease, though, in the design runs for Josh Allen on, you know, first, second, third, and long. 
Truth to Heart's coming and saying, I disagree, Z-Bot. If we have a bell cow, we can handle or he can handle a heavy workload at any given game when needed. Running back by committee is only good with teams that's good at running. Well, I mean, I understand your point. Truth to hearts, I definitely do. Um, I think the thing is, like when I think bell cow running back, I think for the you know the majority of teams that have bell cow running backs, they don't have a bell cow quarterback. Let's look at the Saints, for example. Kamara, bell cow quarterback. They don't have their situation, uh, or excuse me, running back. They don't have their quarterback situation figured out. Uh, you could argue the best tandem in the NFL, uh, running back wise in Cleveland, they just had to get rid of their first overall pick for Deshaun Watson. And obviously Deshaun Watson, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but you know, they didn't have their quarterback situation figured out. Derrick Henry, the bell cow of the NFL. Uh, we just realized over the weekend that the clock's ticking on Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, now a Tennessee Titan. He's going into the last year of his deal. Tannehill is so right there goes to show you. That era could be coming to an end. When I think about Kyle running back, I'm thinking about teams that really don't have uh, an elite game outside of the running game. Colts, perfect example. Carson Wentz, move on from him after a year. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, probably the best running back in the league last year. Uh, well, you know, quarterback situation was abysmal. And then you, you just go down the line, really. When, when Christian McCaffrey was healthy, I mean – there was like nine different starting uh, quarterbacks for the Panthers. What I'm getting at here is the majority of these teams who have a bell cow running back don't have much else outside of that. And that's why the bills don't need it. They have the guy amongst the whole league, top five guy. You don't need the bell cow because frankly, you're not going to be able to use them in a bell cow situation. You're not, no matter how good a running back is, I mean, you could have vintage Barry Sanders. You're still not going to want to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands more than you have to. Right. The whole goal of this run game is to increase the pass game, in my opinion. That's how I see it. You want Josh Allen winning you the games. And obviously, of course, you want the best running game possible, but this team is going to be winning games through the air, through Josh Allen. It's never going to be going through the run game, ever. The whole point of the run game is to service the pass game. Speaking of uh, the pass game, or actually not really, pardon me. No, I was going to talk about Khalil Shakir, but I'm, I'm skipping a guy. Come on, bot. Round three is what we move on to right now. And, you know, this pick right here, Terrell Bernard, linebacker out of Baylor. This pick was the first pick of the weekend where, you know, there were some question marks. I would say, you know, maybe in the first round, there was definitely question marks about the trading up and whatever else. But I don't think anybody was really questioning the, the pick of corner or Kyrie Elam, for that matter. I, I think it, it just from my perspective, it seemed like the majority of people were cool with that pick, you know. Before I get more into this, Silas, you're on fire tonight, baby. Back in here again with another super chat. Silas saying, all this bell cow running back talk means less touches and targets for others. Who are you going to take opportunities away from when we want to let Josh cook? Bingo. You basically just said what I said in better words. <laughs> Rock on, Silas. Yeah, 100%. The bell cow just won't work in Buffalo because he can't be a legitimate bell cow. When you're thinking about bell cow, I've never said the words bell cow more in my freaking life than I am tonight. When you're talking about bell cow, the reason you are a bell cow, somebody get the, the meter running, by the way, they get the counter. And I got to be hitting 100 at this point. The reason a running back is considered a bell cow is because he has to be he's running the ball nonstop. That ain't happening in Buffalo. I don't care who the hell's back there. It's not happening. It's not happening. Carl coming in saying, Z-Bot, scroll back a bit. You missed my super chat. Oh, my God. Carl, you got to be on me earlier, man. 
You know how I am. I get going and I screw up. My apologies, Carl. Did not mean to overlook you whatsoever. And I got you right here. Thank you so much, Carl. And thanks for the reminder. If run game screen game is a threat, then safeties will have to cheat up to stop it, which will open up the passing game for Josh Allen over the top. That's it. Bingo. Great point, Carl. Great point. This is what I'm getting at. This run game doesn't need to be elite, but it needs to be respected enough. It needs to be serviceable enough for stuff like what Carl is talking about right here. If that winds up being the case, we have no idea the potential. We have no idea how much more this offense can be opened up. And you're thinking to yourself, how is it even possible? These guys are already lights out on offense. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. It could be like, I don't even know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just so exciting. That's why I'm so stoked about this pick with uh, James Cook. And, and you know, coincidentally, that's why I'm so stoked about this pick with Kyra Lamb uh, or Elam. I'm going to keep doing that. God damn, I keep doing that. It's Elam, Jesus. I don't know why I want to keep saying Elam. But the, the reason I'm so stoked about him, too, it's the potential. Because you think about the pieces that are already surrounding Elam on defense. You think about the, the pieces that are already surrounding Cook on offense. And you think about what could happen if those two pieces click with the rest of the guys. Oh, my God. It gets me so excited. It gets me, no, it gets me so excited. Okay. So as I was speaking on, uh, round three is where things got a little bit interesting. Terrell Bernard, linebacker out of Baylor. Now, you know, there were some mock drafts that had the Bills going linebacker in round one. I thought that was absurd. I never thought that was a possibility. There's just no way. Uh, I understand there's some question marks surrounding the linebacker position for, for the Bills, but not nearly enough to warrant a first-round pick. But I guess, you know, it was enough to warrant a third-round pick. Taylor Bernard, round three, linebacker out of Baylor. Um it just felt like when this pick was made, there was mixed reactions. I think a lot of people were kind of like scratching their head a little bit. Um, I don't know if a lot of people were aware of who Terrell Bernard or Terrell Bernard was going into this. I don't think a lot of people assumed the Bills were going to go linebacker in round three. I think there was a lot of questions surrounding this pick in general. The reason this pick makes sense, there's a couple of reasons. One, at that position, based on what the Bills currently have, you can never have enough depth uh, Enough depth at linebacker. Matt Milano, as good as he is, one of the most underrated players in the entire league, he's an injury magnet, unfortunately. Matt Milano just, uh, unfortunately, it's so unfortunate because it, our, this, this team is so much better with him on the field. But as we know by now, man, he just, he just can't stay healthy. Uh, he has a real tough time staying healthy. He gets injured very frequently. And then with uh, with... Tremaine Edmonds, we just don't know the future surrounding that at all. We really don't. The jury's out on Tremaine Edmonds. The jury's out on what the Bills are going to do with him moving forward after this coming season. So there's there's questions at linebacker for sure. And I think that this is why this pick was made. One, for depth. Two, for the potential of the future. We know that Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills, they love their project guys. They love the guys that they look at and, and see an insane ceiling on. Josh Allen, right? I mean, they love the guys that come off as the freak athlete, the guy who could, you know, really be a stud if he shaped and molded the correct way. And this is kind of how I see Terrell Bernard. He's a project pick. I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting Terrell Bernard to come into this team really at all this year and be a major impact. Maybe he rotates in, 
Uh, it'll probably be a special teams guy for sure at some point or another, perhaps right off the bat. But, um, you know, when it comes to the rotation on the, on the, on the defensive side of the ball and linebacker, uh, as far as linebacker is concerned, I'm not expecting Terrell Bernard to be uh, somebody that really stands out this coming season. What I look at this pick as, as a future pick, a project pick, a plan for the future, right? Um, and I'm cool with that because when you look at the first two rounds, the Bills got guys that are ready to go now, right? Kair Elam, he's going, he's going to be the starter day one. James Cook, if he's not the starter day one, will at least be rotating in right off the bat. Round three, the Bills decided to go future, and that's fine. We know based on what Brandon Bean has done this offseason that the chips are all in the middle of the table towards the run at the Super Bowl within this window, right? But you also have to consider where your team's going to be a few years from now, and this is what this pick represents to me. Um some of the words to describe Bernard based on what I've seen, uh, I, I saw the, 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 one, the best phrase I saw to describe him, fast flow linebacker, 4.59 40-yard dash. Um, and a lot of people on him, uh, when it comes to him, are talking about how good he is instinctively. He's just really somebody who has a high football IQ, really gets the game, and is able to go all over the field and really take advantage of his surroundings. He's also a problem when it comes to blitzing. I mean, he is a nightmare for any offense, or at least he was in Baylor, rather. 16 and a half career sacks during his college career. That was good enough for number three all-time in school history. He also racked up a ton of college accolades. He was second team All-Big 12 twice, and then uh, his last year here, he was first team All-Big 12. Team captain, he was the Sugar Bowl MVP just a season ago. And uh, he led the team in tackles two of the last three seasons with 100 tackles in each season. So, yeah, I understand there's some questions surrounding it. It's definitely a project pick. It's definitely a future pick for sure. But you look at what he's accomplished in college thus far, and there's, uh, there's definitely potential there. There's definitely a lot to be excited about. The one concern is he himself, as I know, I was talking about Milano earlier uh, and, and his injury struggles. Um, Ter- Terrell Bernard has definitely struggled with injuries for sure. Uh, at Baylor, he had his fair share of injuries. So that definitely is a, a sign of concern, but um, you know, clearly he showed the bills enough to take a chance on him at round three. And um, like I said, that that's definitely not something that I could, I could foresee being a, a major factor this coming season, but right here as the mafia is coming in and saying, yeah, you know, the Bernard could be a stud if they can mold him bingo. And I think being, uh, we know this by now, they like the guys that they see a massive potential with that they can shape and mold and, you know, really create something special out of. So that's kind of how I see that third round pick there for the Bills. And I understand the questioning surrounding it, but I think at, at that point, Brandon Bean sat back and said, all right, you know, as far as right now is concerned, we have knocked out of the park basically every area that needed addressment. Let's take a crack at a guy that we think could be a major player for this team a few years down the line. That's exactly what they did. Another area that I and this is why I love this draft so much, really, because I it just it felt like everything that needed to be addressed, even if it wasn't a major focal point, it still got addressed. I really wanted to add a wide receiver in this in this draft, and I wasn't opposed to even doing so in round one. I thought it would be a little bit risky. Thought it was a bit, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it would be a bit of an overplay, but I also kind of like the idea of it. You know this. Um, 
But I'm kind of gl- I'm, I'm glad in hindsight, like I keep saying, I'm, I'm so glad they went cornerback in round one because it just made the most sense. It was the logical pick. But I still wanted to see what was Bean going to do to address the wide receiver room because, as you know, um, it just you, you, you can't you cannot have enough enough weapons in this league. And when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, it does you. It's it's not a problem adding to the wide receiver locker room. I promise it, it'll only pay off. There's no way that that could wind up being a problem. And as I've said time and time again, the more weapons that they give Josh Allen, the better he has played every single time. And they go out and they get Khalil Shakir, wide receiver, Boise State, a Mountain West boy, just like Josh Allen, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and they were they uh, they they grabbed Shakir in round five. Obviously, the Bills did not have a round four pick because of the trade with the Ravens to get uh, Elam in the first round. So, taking a little bit of a look here at uh, at Shakir, and a lot of people are loving this pick, like the experts, the people who grade and stuff. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of A's, a lot of you know B plus to A plus even when it comes to this Bills fifth round pick. Here's a little bit of a tidbit I found on Syracuse.com when it comes to talking about Khalil Shakir. Syracuse.com had said, quote, this could end up being one of those picks experts look back at as a steal of the draft. I love that little tidbit that Syracuse.com put in there. And if we go back to what I had mentioned that uh, Mel Kuyper had said, that's essentially in, in, in just different words what he had said. Like I had mentioned at the top of the show, um, Mel Kuyper had said, in a roundabout way, the exact same thing. He said, all in all, the Bills filled their biggest needs with their top two picks. And if Shakir or Benford do break out, this class could be one of the best when we recreate it in five years. I mean, that, that is that is that is that is a hell of a statement. And it's not just it's not just one guy saying it. I'm seeing this all over the place. And a lot of you in here I can I can see right now are in agreement. Um Gabe Davis. Need I say more? I mean, Gabe Davis, a fourth-round guy, and when the Bills took Gabe Davis, did you know who he was? No, you didn't. There's no freaking way you did. And if you did, then you then you are just a major, major college guy who knows every every player under the sun. And I know there's some of you out there, so I don't mean to disrespect you if you know him. I'm sure there's, there's a handful of you for sure. But what I'm getting at, of course, is Gabe Davis wasn't Gabe Davis until he became Gabe Davis. And that could be the situation that we see here with Khalil Sh- uh, Shakir. And not only that, but you come into a locker room now where you have a young but up – uprising guy of course in Gabe Davis you have a veteran leader in Stefan Diggs you have a veteran in Jameson Crowder you have j- just just a solid uh, an unbelievably solid foundation and that t- that is such a crucial factor when it comes to any draft pick these guys are only going to be as good as the organization they were drafted to like nine out of ten times right that is key I mean even when the bills were were down they weren't nearly what they are now, of course, going into the draft when they took Josh Allen, but they were still in the right place, right? They had just ended the drought and they were really, you know, in the middle of the building process. And it was clear that things were going in the right direction, right? You can't say that for the, for the majority of these teams drafting up towards the top of the draft, the bills right now, wide receiver is a perfect example. How could you not thrive in this environment just based on what you're surrounded by, Right. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a huge factor. You bring this guy into the Bills locker room, he's immediately going to get better just based on who he's surrounded with. Silas, brother, you are in fuego tonight. He's saying, I think Bernard plays in packages this year. 
Not having press man cornerbacks on the outside hurt our ability to blitz. We essentially fixed that with Elam. We're bringing heat because corner, uh, quarterback play in AFC is A1. Yeah, no kidding. We know that by now. Good Lord, A1 is an understatement for sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Bernard rotates in. I don't, I don't imagine we see as much of him as we will the, uh, the the starters we're used to, right? But there's definitely potential to rotate him in there, what he brings to the table in regard to the blitz game like you're talking about could be a game changer, right? And and we're, I'm interested to see what, what Leslie, Leslie Frazier winds up looking into and winds up doing with a young guy like that who could bring, you know, an upgrade to that style of play. Um, you know, that would be interesting. Really, really would be interesting. And we'll, and we'll find out uh, – We'll find out shortly here what, what the game plan is with, with him. But back to Shakir. Yeah, it, it's it, I love it because, like I said earlier, there's so many wide receivers now coming out of the out of the out of college that are so damn good that yes, of course, the cream of the crop is always going to rise to the top. And uh and those guys are gone right off the bat in round one, obviously. But there's so many of these guys that you get into the second, third, fourth round, there's still a wealth of talent at wide receiver. And the Bills took their time. They addressed other areas that they felt were, you know, of major points of emphasis, clearly. And then they go and get the luxury pick. Adding to the wide receiver room was a luxury, right? And that's kind of how I view this pick. And based on what everybody's saying, just based on the view of Khalil uh, Shakir, it's exciting. Right, I mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't know much about Khalil Shakir before the draft, but the more I read into it, I haven't seen any outlets say anything other than, "Well, this was a hell of a steal for the Bills," and I think, like I just, you know, kind of talked about a bit, it means a lot that he's going to Buffalo and not somewhere else, and that, that's a, that's a big factor here. Obviously, a guy like Shakir is going to have a better chance to succeed in Buffalo than he would in, you know, New England or. Miami, whatever. I mean, you, you got a guy like Josh Allen, you got that offense in place and you add that with the surrounding pieces that they have on offense. And well, there you go. Uh, I keep seeing the name Ross being popped up in here with the chiefs. Am I, am I, am I missing something here? Is that news or let's see here. Let's see Kansas city chiefs signed. F- was, was that four weeks ago? I don't know. Let me know if I'm missing something. Oh, here we go. Undrafted former first round wide receiver prospect. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Justin Ross, by the way. Yeah. Chiefs. Okay. Wow. Former first round draft. Uh, great. Okay. Interesting. Um, Chiefs had a hell of a draft. And I'll tell you what, I, I would have loved to have seen what happened in uh, round two. If um, Sky Moore was still on the table, it, it felt like the bills really might go in that direction. Um, didn't it kind of didn't that didn't that kind of feel like that? And I think that's why the Chiefs traded up to get him. I think I personally think the Chiefs traded up for Sky Moore to jump the Bills. I I I'm in firm belief of that. I really I really think that um, because I I had a gut feeling that that was going to be the pick for the Bills. Sky Moore. Um, Chiefs had a great draft. Can't knock it at all. But yeah, so, so Khalil, Khalil Shakir. Excited to see what he could wind up being. As we know, fourth-round wide receivers, they could really, really be a game-changer, as we know. All right, going to cover one more player. 
don't have time to go through everything tonight, but I would be remiss. Just utterly remiss. If I didn't talk about the mother effing punt God. Punt God is a Buffalo Bill. And I'm so freaking stoked, baby. As you know, there is no bigger punt God fan on earth than your boy Bot. And yeah, I mean, half of it was like a joke, of course. Or was it? I'll leave that up for interpretation. But we knew we needed a uh, uh, punter. I think it was fun to joke about punt God because, well, he's called punt God. I mean, who doesn't love just saying the words punt God? It's it's fun as hell to say. But jokes aside, yeah, no, there was no joke when it comes to the punting game for this Bills team. Matt Hawk, not it. Not it. And the Bills needed a new punter. And it's not often you see punters get taken in the draft at all. But when you got – there was – a couple of punters actually you want to get taken in this draft. Uh, I'm so glad the Bills, not only just because it's pun God and he's going to be an instant hit with Bills Mafia, no question about it. And like I said on the on the live stream for the draft, uh, you're going to see more punter jerseys in the stands than you'll see anywhere else in the league. But outside of all the the fun stuff I think he brings to the to the fan base, we got a new punter and we needed a new punter. This is a major upgrade for the Bills. For God's sake, the guy can kick it 80 yards. Insane. And this is an underrated element, I think, of this Bills team right now if you get down to, to the, the nitty-gritty here. Tyler Bass, let's, let's not kid ourselves. No joke about it, man. No joke, no joke at all. He's one of the best kickers in the league, right? Tyler Bass. If Punt God winds up being Punt God... Not only are you revolutionarily elite in the offensive side of things, not only do you have the number one defense in the league, you could also be looking at potentially the best kicking game in the league. Let's not let's not pretend like that doesn't matter. If Punk God comes in and winds up being the wow man, thank God, like we we got our punter now. This is a game changer. He's pinning guys in the coffin corner. He's putting this thing the the length of a of a football field. <laughs> um. That's a game changer, man. That is an utter game changer. And I'm just happy that at the fact that it's, it, it is pun God and not another uh, punter because that's just the best of both worlds. It's like having your cake and eating it too. But the Bills needed a punter desperately, 100%. Everybody knew when the season ended that Matt Hawk had to go. And uh, here we go. New punter. And it is pun God. And I love that. And it's just another element, I think, to this draft as I keep touching on that, I, that this is why I love this draft. You, 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 you pair together the off season and the draft and what was there a stone left unturned by Brandon Bean? Seriously. Was there no, like really no. every position got upgraded or touched upon right down to the punter case closed storybook offseason for Brandon Bean. And I thought the feather in the cap would be how he did in the draft. And I think it was, I think it was a great draft. I think it was a great draft. I haven't seen a, a draft grade for the bills lower than like a B plus B maybe I haven't. And, and you know what they had to work with too. higher up picks. Um, varying degrees of need. I just think that Brandon Bean really did a hell of a job. Like I, like I, I'll reiterate. 
Is there a stone left unturned today for the Bills heading into the season? I, I don't think so. We knew we, we, we went into the offseason. We knew, we knew we needed edge pressure. Got it. We knew we needed to supply the, uh, the defensive and offensive line. Done. We knew we needed to upgrade the running back situation. Done in the draft. We knew we needed to add, ta- uh, add talent at the tight end position. Done. We knew we needed to add wide receiver depth. Done. We knew we needed a corner. Done. I mean, I could go on all night. Every spot that needed to be addressed, added to, upgraded, fixed, you name it. It was done by Brandon Bean. And right now, I want you to, if you're by yourself, if you're with people, I don't care. I want you to just sit back and give Brandon Bean a round of applause. Just, I know, I know it's weird. You're probably, I'm, I'm in a room right now by myself. I'm sure you probably are too. Just give Brandon Bean a round of applause because holy crap, just, uh, just, 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 just hats off. Tip of the cap. This was a hell of an off season to be a Bills fan. I mean, it was, it was so fun. The cool thing is too, it's like, you know, it, it was so crazy. The off season in general for all the other teams and the Bills, like they, they didn't miss out on that. We got heavily involved with that too, you know? We got heavily involved in the craziness that was the 2022 NFL offseason. I mean, we 20 years from now, 100 years from now, I don't care, whatever, however long. This this offseason is going to go down in history books. This offseason is going to go down as one of the craziest, most insane, memorable offseasons in the history of the sport. And the Bills were were a major player in that. They were a major part of that. And right now, folks, this team, I don't think it's constructed any better than it could possibly be to make a Super Bowl run. Really? I mean, you could, you could, you could get nitpicky. You could, you know, if, if you want to find a problem with anything, you're, you're going to find it. If you want to find a problem with something, you can find it 100%. I could sit here right now and think of a million things that are great and I could find a problem with them, right? So, of course, yeah, you could find a problem right now. You, you certainly could. But you look around this league right now, and I'd, I'd like you to tell me who's in a better position to make a Super Bowl run and win a Super Bowl than the Buffalo Bills. And I get it. Yeah, there's a handful of teams who are primed up and ready to roll, but none, none really more than the Bills, honestly. I'm going to save my power ranking. I know I said I was going to do that tonight, but we're already almost two hours in, and I, uh, and I got I to get to work. Um, and it's something I want to spend some time on. Because I, I like doing the power rankings after the draft now that we have all of our pieces set up, you know, around the league. But I was thinking to myself earlier as I was kind of just, you know, pondering as to how I would rank the top 10. And I, I really try to set my, my homerism aside, my fandom aside. I, I'm not being a homer here. I'm not, I'm not being an irrational fan. It, it, are the Bills not the best team in the league right now? And if they're not, and I understand it's, I understand it's subjective. It, Please argue that they're outside of the top four. Please. I would love, I would just love to hear that idiocy. I would love to hear it. You would sound like an absolute moron trying to argue the Bills outside of the top four. Probably even the top three, but whatever. I'll say four because I like even numbers. Seriously. That's not being a homer. I, I, I hate that too. Because when you're a Bills fan, oh, of course you think they're the best fan in the league or best team in the league. You're a fan. Sure. Yeah, I get it. They're also the best team in the league. Or if not, like one of the top three. Give me a break. Like, do you watch the sport? Because believe me, I watch the sport and I watch the Bills. I know what a bad a bad Bills team looks like. Believe me, it's all I watched for 20 years. This ain't it. This is a Super Bowl team and it was handcrafted like a Subway sandwich employee and you're in front of the 
glass case and they're behind there and, and, and you're being and you're just like, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a sprinkle of this, a little extra of that, a little bit of this, pull it all together, throw it in the toaster oven and boom. Mwah. Except this particular sandwich is a hell of a lot better than a Subway sandwich. And no disrespect to Subway, but kind of disrespect, kind of a little bit disrespect to Subway because I'm Brandon Bean, if he was, if this team was a sandwich, it would not be a Subway sandwich. It would be like a cat's deli sandwich. Oh, oh I shouldn't even have said that. Now I'm thinking about cat's deli. You ever been to cat's deli? Anybody in here? New York cat's deli. I've been to cat's deli like a million times. This is so off topic, but I just, we're talking about cat's deli. Cat's deli. You want to know how good, you want to know how good, you want to know how good cat's deli is. Okay. And this is why I'm saying that Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills, they're, they're the cat's deli sandwich of the NFL. If Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills were a sandwich, they'd be a Cat's Deli sandwich. You want to know why? Every single time I've been to Cat's Deli, I have had to wait over an hour, sometimes two hours, outside, four blocks down the road to get a goddamn sandwich. What does that mean? That sandwich is probably pretty good. Just a thought. And if you go inside a Cat's Deli, what are you going to see on the, on the wall? Oh, just every celebrity and famous person to ever live ever in the history of the world on the wall inside of Cat's Deli with the owner. So, yeah, Cat's Deli, pretty good. Brandon Bean, Buffalo Bills, pretty good. Jehovah coming in here saying Wegman Sub can't lose. I can't deny that, man. We, I got to tell you. Wegman Subs, dumb good. So good. I love it. Still no Cat's Deli, though. But, you know, nothing is. Also, by the way, Cat's Deli, uh, pastrami sandwich will run you about $75. Um, you're not getting out of there without refinancing your home. But <laughs> it's worth every damn cent. Faux show. Um, all right. I'm going to save some of my other stuff for next week because we got plenty of time until the season and whatever else. And there's still more draft talk we're going to get into. So I'll table that for next week. But what you can expect from me next week is this. I'll get into a variety of different stuff from the, uh, from the season. Is Rev hopping on? I was. I just got. I just got a click uh, in my speakers. I look at my man. Rev is in the back. He's in the. He's in the green screen now. Well, I was gonna hop off, but forget it. I'm staying on. My man Rev is. What's good, baby? I'm not going anywhere. What is? What's up? Wow, I'm two hours in, and screw it. I got, I got, whatever. I got work, but I'll table it. You're here now. Yo, man. Hey, I just wanted to pop on here, man, and just say, yo, you. Well, have let's done run it a for a fantastic minute. Fantastic job, baby. Oh, thank you, brother. You're the man. I'm. Uh, I'm guessing. I know. Rev said he came home. Was a little bit chaotic. He was supposed to join me earlier. Things died yeah. down. Things are yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. I just got back home. So uh, nice. Things died died down. I was I was I was doing my best to to watch you, man, on, on my phone. Oh, man. you're but the I, man. I was like, yo, let me let me pop in real quick. Yeah, I know. I saw you in the end. chat. I yeah. saw you in the chat. Well, I got you here, Rev. So I mean, I got to hear from you. I got to hear your thoughts. I was talking earlier about you know a variety of different things, mainly the top yeah. four picks for the Bills, obviously. Um, won't get into all of it right now, just for time's sake. But I, I really sure. want to get your thoughts on what I think was the, it was the most, you know, crucial part of the entire draft. Yeah. Round one and round two. Just kind of talk to me about your overall thoughts. Taking Kyrie Elam in round one, James Cook in round two. I know, obviously, you were right. a big fan of, 
of um, Brees Hall, who Brees I spent Hall, yeah. plenty of time talking about today, and I know a lot of other people were. But we get James Cook. We go corner in round one. Now that you've had some time to reflect, look back on it, it's said and done. Your overall thoughts on the Bills' top two picks in the draft this past weekend? Yeah, so so overall, you know, I had a – I had a, you know, Rico talks about being in your feelings. And so I had – after the draft, I had to kind of get out of my feelings a little bit. And as a matter of fact, I was kind of there and, you know, as day two approached – and I really was understanding Brandon Bean. That's why I had to throw on the, the in Bean We Trust shirt because it was it Facts. was a personal reminder for me, right? I, I love what you said earlier. You're talking about, you know, like like you're an armchair GN. I'm an armchair GN. We don't yeah. know Dilly squad about what's going on, right? Yeah, of course. And so at the end of the day, man, in Bean We Trust. And so, yeah, I had my draft crush, my love for Brees Hall. But, yo, I trust Brandon Bean. He has not failed any of us yet. And so as I'm looking at it, I understand what he did. It makes perfect sense. Yes, the biggest hole that we had on our team was at defensive back, cornerback, um, opposite of Trey White, and we needed somebody that we can rely on. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both said they were trying to add speed all offseason. We saw what happened with Tyreek Hill in, in, in the playoffs. No need to rehearse that yeah. or to rehash it, right? You know what I'm saying? So, but we, so we needed to add speed. Why not get a guy like Kyrie Elam, who, by the way, played in, in the best conference in college football? It's a good point. You know what I'm saying? And so, and, and then he That's runs a really a, good point, actually. Right? Yeah. He runs yes. sub, sub four, six yep. two guy, 200 pounds. So he's a physical guy. He plays that press man coverage. And so you, you're also starting to see a little bit of a transition defensively with, with, with Leslie, Leslie Frazier and how he wants to defend guys on the boundary. Uh, we saw a little bit of that last year. So so it makes sense. I mean, get, get Kyrie Elam. I mean, he, he fell a little bit in, in the, within striking distance. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I've warmed up to the pick. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not downing it at all. Um, I think Kyrie is going to be a great uh, uh, asset to this team. Um, watching the video, I, I think he's he just fits the DNA, right? I mean, who who brings a that, – that, That's you know, where I'm at with it, 100%. You know like, like, yeah. like, like yeah. who, who, who brings a, a, note, a notebook full of notes – you know, in your interview. And well, says, that's what I was saying earlier, because I, I think you'd agree with me on this. By now, this culture has become so identifiable. You can tell in a – you can, I, oh, it man, literally takes down. you half a second to tell if somebody's going to fit or not, right? H- hands down. And, and yeah. so when, when I saw that behind the scenes, I was like, okay, well, it, may, it makes it makes perfect sense, right? This this guy is he's, – he's bleeding, you know, processed juice, right? You know what I'm saying? This is like yeah. coming out of his pores. Okay. And so I, 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 love, I love that pick. And, and, then, and then, you know, thinking about, all right, well, round two, we got it. We got a running back. I said it. During the broadcast, uh, during the draft, I was like, you know what? After thinking about it, Brandon Bean tipped his hand in free agency when he went after J.D. McKissick. What type of back is it? He, he's, a, exactly. he's a wide receiver. He's a receiving back. And then so we didn't get him. Got Duke Johnson, who does the same thing, but not just on the, not on the level of McKissick. So you see that Brandon Bean was looking for something. It was a trait that he wanted to get. Well, why not get the best guy in, in the draft, right? Because James Cook right. arguably is one of the, if not the best receiving back in the in the entire draft class, but he's also a good runner. Uh, um, I mean, he has he has good size, he has good pedigree. His family's played in the league, and so it makes sense, right? It, it makes perfect sense. And then you add that type of a, a weapon to the already packed stable of weaponry that Josh Allen has. It makes the team more deadly. It makes him more 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 uh, un, un, unstoppable with a guy who can come out of the backfield running a 4-3-40 who can run routes like a wide receiver. I mean, it brings me to mind of like a guy like James White in New England who we saw Brady constantly using right, sure. to, just to kill us, you know, left, right, example. and center, like, like, like Rico says, you know, all the time. So yeah. I, I, I like that addition to the offense. And plus, I mean, I mean go on to, to kill us, uh, Shakir, who I think is like yeah. Robert Woods 2.0. 
Anyway, man, man the, the, the praise it, he's it getting sense. is making me super stoked oh because I, I admittedly yeah. didn't know it, uh, enough about him to make a judgment myself. But, Same. man, right. everybody, I mean, the, the general consensus that I keep seeing is steal, steal, steal. I mean, that's yeah. what everybody's saying. Yeah, we are one hundred percent. And then so so when I look at him too, I'm like, man, we, we it was clear we needed a wide receiver. Yep. Um, but to get him when we got him, uh, and, and looking at what he brings to the table, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I I love it. I, I absolutely love it, one hundred percent. This makes me so excited here, and this is what I, I've continuously said this throughout the show. But just the the overall thought, Rev, of the fact that if Kyir Elam comes in and is you know he is resemblant of the skill set that Tre'Davious White has, pairing that with the newly the new look defense this Bills have, uh, yeah. and not to mention the already locked down secondary they already have, or the uh, the the tandem they have in in Hyde and Poyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rev, your overall thoughts just on what the potential could be for this Bills defense, a defense that we've already seen be terrific. I mean, right. as of right now, last year, I, and I said this earlier, I know, but it, it bears saying again, it's worth saying again, it, the Bills, yes, they were the best offense in the league on paper last year, but I think we all knew that they they, they didn't feel like the best offense or the mm-hmm. defense, rather. Defense, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, right, number one overall, statistically, this defense got – a hell of a lot better yeah. this, this coming yeah. season. Your thoughts on just on what this could wind up meaning for the future of this Bills defense? Yeah, I mean, I can't deny it, right? I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, I was saying, well, no, you, you know, you can find a guy in, you know, mid-rounds or whatever that you can kind of add in as a developmental guy because when you look at it, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten by with, with a Levi Wallace undrafted and then Dane Jackson, et cetera. But when you can add a guy like Kyrie Elam, again, I'm thinking about it, you know, it makes sense. A first round guy. When's the, we haven't had that type of an investment at the cornerback position opposite of Trey since Trey was drafted. We've all been clamoring for it. We've all wanted it. Like, Bean, when are you going to draft a corner uh, or make a high investment in a corner opposite Trey? Trey already shuts down half the field. All pro corner shuts down half the field. You get a guy like this who's bigger than Trey, faster than Trey, has press man skills that Trey doesn't necessarily have, right? Uh, and yep. he put him in this defense and, and and allow him to grow and to develop. My gosh. I mean, we have, I mean, you talk about yeah. the no fly zone. I mean, th- this is going to be it in the secondary. I can't wait for it. It's going to be lethal. I love what, I love what the life of John said. Do we not understand how lethal it's going to be extremely yeah, lethal. Shut him down. And then, and then you think about it also because, you know, we, we talk about like the pass rush and, and then, you know, um, how it kind of, helps the back end well the back end helps the front end it, it all works together right so when you have a shutdown secondary you add two lockdown corners potentially plus you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier hopefully Poirier comes back right you, you get those guys I mean what is what is that going to do for the entire defense pass rush is going to get there right because they can't throw the ball so I mean it, it, I'm excited to see what it's going to do to this defense who's already number one in the league and, and and on top of that, one thing I, I haven't mentioned, and and I I'm kind of just thinking about it now, but you know, the, the rotational corners the Bills have had over the last couple of years, you know, no, they're not, they're no, pro, they're no Pro Bowlers, they're no All Pros, whatever. But we had talked about this, Rev, how good the Bills' defense was without Tre'Davious White, and that's with yeah. rotational corners. Now you're getting like that investment, like you just said. The sky's the limit, man. The more we talk about it, the more excited I get. Yeah, man, sky is definitely the limit. I, I'm. I'm I'm trying to imagine uh, what what uh, Sean McDermott and 
Leslie Frazier and the rest of the defensive staff are just thinking that I know, you know, they got to be like this, this, this chomping at the bits, trying to figure out what they can do with this guy and how versatile they can be. And plus Teron Johnson, we haven't talked about him enough too. So I mean, him in the, look, it's going to be phenomenal. My man, Silas. Silas is just absolutely on a tear tonight. It's incredible. Uh, Adding a cornerback like Elam with Vaughn on the D line means tons of turnovers. It's going to be scary hours for the rest of the NFL. Sign me up, Silas. And like I said earlier, it, right down to the punter, Rev. I mean, w- w- the, every unit on this team right now is yeah. is arguably one of the best in the league, top to bottom, yeah. all the, the way down to, to the punter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really can't poke holes at at, at any position. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, and, and this is this is like taking off the Homer glasses, right? I know, and that's tough really to make it seem it, like, but it's true. It's true. It's, it's true. D line. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you add a guy like Von Miller, right? And then and then you have and then you have the just the. I think I think as a, as a whole, right? Maybe, maybe not necessarily player for player, but but when you look at the the, the entirety of the D line, and, and 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 then you got a guy like Tremaine Edmonds and M- Matt Milano, and and then you go back to the secondary with Trey White, adding a guy like Elam, and then you have two All Pro safeties behind them. You really can't poke holes at this defense that was already ranked number one for the entirety of last year. So it looks very very dangerous and i know teams around the league especially in the afc are looking at man what are we going to do in this defense how i mean how are we going to put up points against this defense i know some people are talking about well do tyree kill and this and that look they got tua okay i'm not i'm not scared of tua you know what i'm saying pat mahomes yeah they, they they've got some weapons too but look I think that this is going to be a, a phenomenal opportunity for us, and this is our window that we've been waiting for to capitalize on, and we've gotten a whole lot better after this draft. Brandon Bean, salute to Brandon Bean, man. This oh is the, one God. of the like greatest said, GMs in the NFL. I try to get everybody earlier to give them a rounding, a standing ovation inside their home by themselves, and I do, hope that man, you guys better do advice. it, man. Do it again right now, right now. Do Just it again. another another let's clap for Brandon Bean. Another clap. Yes. Let, let's do a um, Sean McDermott clap, man, for Brandon. Yeah, Bean. that too. That, like a yeah. hundred claps in a minute. Yeah, there you there. go. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, no, the season can't come soon enough for sure, man. Before I wrap things up, Rev, I want I want to get some clarification from you before we leave because I know a lot of people have been kind of on our ass about getting a little emotional about the Brees Hall situation. Yeah. I explained my my side of things earlier, but I tried to tell everybody earlier. You know, there was a lot of almost getting to the point of certainty surrounding Brees Hall when it came to the Bills. And I know you guys, you and Rico loved him. I know a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. the emotions, whatever. Just kind of walk right. me through where you were there and kind of why it was so upsetting for you to see Brees Hall kind of slip through the cracks. Well, okay. So I, I've been clamoring for a, a running back like Brees Hall for a long time that you can draft in round one. Okay. First, let's, 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 let's not make any, any bones about it. Brees Hall is a phenomenal prospect. Okay, he is he he look. I, I I like I like the idea of James Cook, but James Cook right now he, he is not Reese Hall. Otherwise, he would have been drafted in the first round or higher second round. Okay, so I mean, let's just let's just put that to bed. Brees Hall is a great prospect. Look at his his RAS scores. You compare him. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it was Next Gen Stats. They said his 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 score, his athletic score overall, um, out of like the past four or five years, he he's he's top four ranked uh, alongside Jonathan Taylor and and. And, and, and Saquon Barkley and, and some others. Yeah. So he, he, he's a great guy. But what got me was the fact that, that, he, that they traded up for him in the early parts of the second round, but then he went to the Jets. Yeah, like, See, that's like, exactly like, how I it's, felt. It's, it's the Jets. And I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here thinking like, like, look, man, I've been, we've been trying to tell you guys, look, there, what, what difference is it from 25 to 36? The trend that I'm starting to see now is if you want an elite type of prospect, running back prospect, you're going to have to get him early round two at the 
earliest, right? I mean, I mean, at the latest, you, you can't wait around. And so I'm like, we're at 25. What's really the difference if that's the kind of guy you're looking for from 25 to 36? But nevertheless, we didn't do it. But you look at the Jets of all teams. He could have went to the NFC. I'd have been all right. He could have went to somewhere else. I'd be all right. At the, when we didn't get him in round one, I did not expect us to get him. I exactly. knew he wasn't going to fall to 57, and I knew Brandon Bean was not going to trade the assets it would take to get up to the early parts of round two to get him. So I was already expecting us not to get him. But when the Jets got him, of all people, and traded up for him, that's what kind of, you know, I had, I, you know, I just blew my top there for a second. You know, I was already emotional about it. And then to see that happen, you know, that, that's, that's when I, you know, when Rev just kind of lost it a little bit. Literally, but now I'm fine. Exactly. I'm, a, I'm a lot better now. He's better now. Everybody's going to be better eventually. I, people are yes. worried about Rico, seriously, because I don't think anybody's seen him that outside in a while. But that <laughs> yeah. that just kind of just goes to show you, I think, like, I think I think the, the main issue there, Rev, was the fact that as the draft got closer, it just seemed like more and more of a possibility. And I think people were really yeah, starting yeah, to think yeah. it was going to happen. But, yeah. hey, it did happen. It just wasn't Brees Hall. But the running right. back, you know, that – let's be real here. Bean couldn't have done I mean, he, like there could have been a scenario where he didn't do that at all. I mean, that definitely could have yeah. been on the table, right? So, right. James Cook, I'm excited, man. I am yeah, excited yeah, to yeah, see yeah, what he yeah, brings yeah, to the too, table. And, and at the end of the day, man, look, I'm rooting for these guys, right? I mean, we're Buffalo Bills fans, so I, yep. I mean, I want everybody to succeed. That, that's, that's that's all it is, and so I want James Cook to succeed. Um, I think he can. I, I love what he brings to the table, and him with pair with Mo, I think it's going to be dynamic. I absolutely love it. Uh, what do you got going on this week? Anything that the uh, the folks need to hear about next week? What's the plan with you? Yeah, yeah. Next week, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens next week. Um, I do plan on 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 being on. I know I know I've been out a couple of weeks, you know, on uh, the Rated Rev show, but I've been making some kind of guest appearances. So, I mean, you, you guys, just oh, stay tuned. Been, we, we 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 were making the rounds. Oh my god. Yeah, by yeah. Way, I mean, shout out to Rev by the way. While I got him here, unbelievable draft analysis and coverage all all throughout the last couple of months and over the weekend here, and you were. The whole, Thanks, the whole, brother. the whole thing, man. The, I mean, the boys were on it this weekend. That was like oh, yeah, 15, no what? 15 some hours. 15 hours, man. Yeah. And everybody in here who, uh, once again, I said it at the top of the show, but I'll again right now. Thanks so much for being part of it. The response was incredible. Oh, yeah. You yeah, mean absolutely. this genuinely. It's some of the most fun we have. I mean, Rev, I was scrolling through Tons the other night. Fun. Yeah. Uh, th that, that one clip, uh, we, you and I were laughing, I swear to God, for 10 straight minutes. I would have, over that <laughs> smell the mic, smell the mic clip. That was, Yo, that, that was, that was, that was, I'm actually clipping it up right now because I'm not kidding you. There's like 10 straight minutes of us just laughing. So I'm, I'm going to post it on Twitter. Yeah. You, it, you was so, it, it was just so random, man. I was like, where did oh this come God. from? Every week, I swear to God, one of you guys, I don't care who it is, what it is, there's always something that is so out of left field that gets me every time. Man, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that was hilarious, dude. I couldn't get enough of that. And, and then watching well, Rico and then watching uh, uh, Pierre clip that up, man, you know, uh, with me struggling with my bottle. Look, look. I didn't even notice the, that until he did. It was great. Let, let me set the record straight, okay? I got to set the record straight because some people were coming for me in, in the comments. I'm like, look, look, I didn't need an opener. I already had an opener. I was trying to put the cork back in the bottle, and I, and I was struggling getting it back in there. You know, you know what I'm saying with the wine bottles. Whatever. I hear you. No, so, I hear you. Yeah, and so I left. I, I left the opener in there because you know for for later usage. I, I you know so I just wanted to keep it in there for I could just pop it right back out, right? So, but just getting it in there, man. I was I was struggling, and I didn't think anybody was gonna see it. But leave it to oh, Pierre. Oh, that's how it to always goes. Kind of stuff. I know. Leave it to Pierre, man. He finds everything. What was it the other day that I that I, oh I I, uh, I spilt um 
me and Rico were on a show. I spilled coffee on myself, and he was he was on it in like on instantly it. before yeah. the show even ended. It was on Twitter when I got off. So <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah, all right, two hours in the books. I wish we could go longer, Rob. I got work. Yeah, I got to get to work. work. But yeah. um, so I know I had some stuff on the table for tonight. I wanted to get to, but man, we were we were rocking and rolling tonight, and time got the best of us. But for next week, Monday night. Just to give you a, a synopsis of what I want to tackle next week, going to be doing uh, draft winners and losers, plenty of both. Um, going to give you who I felt really dominated the draft, who I thought took an L. And then next week, uh, like I said earlier, I wanted to spend some time on this, which is why I didn't do it tonight. I want to give you my post-draft power rankings, let you know who I think, you know, going into the season, who are the top 10 teams in hint, Three quarters of it, if not more, is going to be the AFC. And you want to know what's yeah, crazy about that, Rev, is even after this draft, the AFC it felt like they were the teams who ultimately got the, the most yeah, improved, better. honestly. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, easily, yeah. Easily, and, 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 you look, you, yeah, you look at the Ravens, et cetera, too, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to pose this question for you. This is how we'll sign off here. I tweeted this earlier, and it really hit me yesterday, I think is when I tweeted it. Maybe it was earlier this afternoon. I can't keep track of time anymore, Rev. Um, but – I asked, I, I was thinking about the draft and how good of a draft the Jets had. And I was thinking to myself about, you know, how much Miami really did a good job this offseason of at least trying to attack their weaknesses and get better and improve. And then it hit me. The the, the Patriots did none of that. Here's my question to you, Rev. <laughs> this to me is a, is a it's a fair question at this point. Yeah. All right. At least on paper, I understand that the Jets are the Jets, the Dolphins are the Dolphins. On paper, Rev, going into the 2022 season, is there an argument to be made that the New England Patriots are the worst team in the AFC East? Hands down. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. They, they, they did absolutely nothing in free agency. They made some questionable moves like get, getting rid of their, 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 their guard, starting guard for a fifth-round pick only to spend a first-round pick on a guy who was projected to go in round three or round four. Crazy. Yeah. You know, um, they and the draft to a two if you running look at backs. The, I know, and if you look at the grades, there isn't a single grade uh, grading uh, out there that doesn't have the yeah. Patriots in the bottom three. Every single yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, easy. I, I don't know what – see, see this, this – this, I mean, hey – this is the Patriot way, right? Now we're I starting know. to see the That's Patriot way. That's what other fans are saying to me, by the yeah. way. I've been posting videos. Oh, yeah, knock Bill Belichick, the six-time or the seven-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brady's no. not in New England Brady, exactly. anymore, folks. Can you, can you, can you come around to that? It's not you know, the same. You, 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 can, you can get the Patriot way. You see the word Patriot, scratch the line through that and put Brady. Because it was the Brady way for 20 years. That that's it. We're starting to see it now that yes. Brady's gone. It was the Brady way, hands down. He covered a multitude of sins of that team. Now Bill Belichick is here trying to run the team. He doesn't know what he's doing in that regard. But I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I think. Oh my right God! Now, yeah, sign me the hell I, I up. Are you it. kidding me? I love every second of it, and I'm I'm like one of the biggest trolls right now. And I, I want I want to see them fail. Oh my God! And I would well, love nothing more than to see them be the last place team in the AFC East. I would love it. You want to know what I hate is the inability to understand that they're no longer the Brady ran Patriots. Is it that hard to realize as a fan? Listen, I know what the bills were when I was younger. They were, yeah. they, they weren't good. I was, right. I, it was, it was, it was obvious. They, I got people up in my comments about the Patriots telling me, Oh yeah, you'll be, you'll, you'll we'll get the last laugh when strange is a pro bowl. I'm like, dude, I don't care if he's a pro bowler. <laughs> he was a fourth, third, fourth round grade. You took him in the first round. You could have gotten right. somebody else and easily got him in the second. It's not about whether he's right. a pro bowler or not. It's about value. You it's about value. Yeah. reached point blank. Whatever. 
Oh, everybody, man, I love it. Right? Everybody in the entire rabbit, NFL. so I mean, nice to see, you know. Yeah, man, it's, hey, hey, I had to, I had to try to peek on here, man, pop on real quick and just show some love to my man. But let me say this. All of you fanatics right now, look, ring the bell, bing, bing, biggity, bing. Oh, slow, light it all up, that baby, will stuff, man. you? Yep. Do it for you, my, my, my man, Zach Z-Bot, man. Look, this guy is great. This I don't guy. know what you guys this are guy. doing. This this dude is a man. I love me some bot smoke break. If you guys love him, show him some love in the comments, man. Drop the mics, drop the fire, drop the smoke emoji, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I love that, bro. Is, love you. Is there man. a better guy out here than Revan? By the way, I love you, but I'm also I'm, I'm I want about this because I'm devastated. Our boy Smoke Monday he ain't gonna be a bell. Oh, uh, dude, you know what? I was waiting. You for saw that, that didn't you? I was like, come on, man. He he had to come. It was it just it just only made sense. Right. I mean, maybe, that's maybe. a once in a lifetime opportunity right there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Hopefully. I mean, what is he like? Was he undrafted? I think I have undrafted. no idea. Honestly, I, I, I didn't really even give it in consideration until you said something. And then I remembered I'd saw it earlier and I'm like, I don't even think I put two and two together. How freaking cool that would have been. But maybe I, I think he was undrafted. Maybe he gets released and we pick him up in the offseason. Hey, listen, I talked punk God into existence. I'll talk smoke Monday. We need to existence. do it. We need to do Let's it man, do right it. now. Smoke, smoke right. Monday on the smoke break. That's that's awesome. I love it. Two and change in the books. My man Rev joined me for the tail end of it, and I appreciate him hopping on. You can catch Rev next week. I'm sure he'll be back with his show. I'll be back as well next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Like I said, next Monday night, you can expect to see me talk about my winners and losers of the draft, and we'll be breaking down the top 10 NFL teams in the league post-draft, and I'm looking forward to tackling all of that with you, plus much more. Who knows what unfolds the rest of the weekend, but uh, for Zbot Rev, anything else? Uh, anything else for the folks before we sign off? Nah, man, I'm good. Look, look, hey, I appreciate all the fanatics for just rocking with us over the past three days. You guys are the best. This, this is what we do it for. We love you guys so much. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy Brandon Bean, all of that kind of stuff. Look, it's okay, Mafia. We're a great yes. team, a great organization. Positivity, Let's positivity. Get into it. Positivity Absolutely. and potential is how I look at this draft. Best yes. way to look at it. Um, and like Rev just said, I know I've said it a few times already, but I want to say it again just to make sure it is heard. Thank you so much for the incredible support throughout the weekend. We had an overwhelming amount of support for our draft streams. So glad you guys tuned in. So glad you guys loved it. And uh, it was our pleasure to spend it with you. Yes. Thanks so much again. We'll see you next week, Monday night, 8 p.m., same place. Until then, enjoy the rest of the week. And as always, God bless and go Bills. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.